Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by my friend and colleague, Will Scott of Chat Sports, is here to make his debut on the show. We'll talk plenty of college football and NFL when Willie Fins joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Post Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery Story of the Week. We'll take a look around the NFL and also our Big 12 breakdown segments. And uh, we'll talk even a little World Cup here in a second as well. And Coach Bo actually joins us right now. He'll be with us for most of the show today. And Bo, uh, I-, I was thinking uh, to start the show today, with the uh, U.S. advancing in the World Cup and everything, and with the way things are in Qatar, I thought, even though I'm trying not to drink at home right now, I'm doing a little bit better about that. Since they can't have a drink in the stadium, uh, I figured I would take a little cheers to the U.S. and have a little drink to myself uh, to celebrate that U.S. win. And uh, I'm not a big soccer guy, but I hope they keep it going. That's That, that was cool to see. It was a great game, and yeah, and you should you should be doing more than just a bottle. I see you there. There you go. Tip, you know, tip them up. We need to get you a boot. Hey, uh, that can be done. <laughs> Fill the boot. I mean, look, they it's soccer. They're using their feet. Fill the boot and go for it. Hey, what an exciting game! I didn't watch all of it. I got to watch about the last twenty minutes of regulation and then the extra time. Yeah, and so exciting. I'm not a huge soccer guy myself. I do understand it, and I'm. Every time I watch a game, I want to watch it more. Yeah. So I want to become, but I, but it's, you know, my plate's already full of football and basketball and baseball and adding soccer. You're like, oh my gosh, so much stuff. But boy, was it exciting! This the game itself is exciting, even though it's low scoring. It, it it's also patriotic, which right. is you know how we are. We're kind of obnoxious Americans and. When you throw a patriotism into something, oh, we're going to be all about it, even if we don't really understand it. And I think that's what the World Cup's kind of been for us. And it was an outstanding game for everything I know. I mean, I know a little bit about soccer, and what I've seen, it was pretty outstanding and dramatic at the end. And, you know, the U.S. and uh, Iran, and they're very specific about wanting to be called Iran. I don't mess mess with Iranians. Yeah. with with the way things are in Iran right now and, you know, the, the way our countries have felt like it, 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 it seemed like the modern day version of the U.S. versus the Soviets in the 80s, kind of, you know, it, I mean, it had, a, it had that tension building up. And even in the, the pregame press conference that occurred and Tyler Adams was uh, asked uh, about, uh, you know, the way things are in our own country, you know, with the way. racism and other stuff goes on and just a beautiful answer uh he said you know hey we're not perfect um and was just so respectful and the way this team has carried themselves here i mean the the iranian team too um i feel bad for you know the fact of where they're from and everything but the way that they stood up for their own people and you know peacefully protested and uh, you know, had a lot of courage out there and the threats that they faced and everything too. I was glad the U.S. won, but I came away from, from that scenario and all that bowl, like, man, like, I I, I came to respect the, these Iranian players and what they stood up for, for standing up for what they believed. Had a, standing up for had, 
had a very Rocky Four feel to it. Yeah. Like at the beginning, it's like, you know, you hate them, they hate us. But then in the end, because of what all happened, and look, I, I saw that press conference too. I thought it was very fair questions. Look, we we as Americans sometimes think our shit doesn't stink over here. And the fact of the matter is we got problems too. And we can't just be telling everybody else who they got to be when we got problems too. I thought that was well handled. And at the same time, I think that it does show that we're all kind of the same. Well, whoever we are, whether it's us or in Iran or anywhere, we all want the same things. We want to be proud of who we are and proud of where we're from. And we want certain freedoms. Right. And I think that's a big deal. I don't want to get too political on this, but at the same time, I think that that's what this game felt like. And I think there was a lot of mutual respect at the end of it. And I think that was really cool, that there was a lot of mutual respect, not just amongst players and the teams, but amongst the fans to say, hey, we see what you're doing. Thanks for calling us on our shit, too. We'll do better. You guys keep doing better. We'll all be better. Right. Well, and, and the fact that this thing's going on in Qatar yeah. and, you know, you, you see these propaganda Qatar commercials from Microsoft at the air and during yeah. games and um, just all that, you know, goes with this, um, you know, it's all learning experience. And I, I think this is going to be, you know, the U.S. very well may lose Saturday and they quite frankly probably will, but between getting the draw with, with England and then this Iran game and all the political stuff outside. I think we're going to remember this one for a long time. Uh, And I'm just more excited for, you know, this sets up really well for 2026 when, uh, when we get the world cup out here and, and there's going to be some games here in Dallas where you're at and Kansas city is going to get the host. I mean, that's going to be a big deal, Bo. Uh, you know, you and I are just casual soccer fans, but yes, I'm already hyped thinking ahead to 2026. I, I, I think I, it's a really, I think you put it really well there. I think if you look at it and go, well, they've got, you know, the U.S. team but it's here to get, become popular for soccer to become popular. The U.S. national team is going to have to be very good, and for them to improve and be better and get to the knockout round this time. And the 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 how we feel about that, I think you're spot on. But then it does get a certain bit of excitement. I mean, I know, and I said this when they were going to have the World Cup here. I don't care what games in Kansas City. It may not be the U.S. team, but I want to go. It's a bucket list kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm going to go root for somebody. I mean, it's if you get a chance to go to a World Cup game, damn it, do it. I right. mean, it I mean even if it's not your team, I mean. If you're a sports fan, there are certain things in sports that you want to have on your bucket list. You and I have both been really blessed. We've gotten to go to a lot of cool events. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've been to the Daytona 500. I've been to the Indy 500. Uh, have you been to a Super Bowl yet? I've not. No. Okay. I've been to a Final Four. I've been to a World I've been Series. Final Four too. I've been to major yeah. championships. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to. I've been to the Masters. I've been to. Uh, been to the World Series. I've been to the NBA Finals. So, I mean, I've been to some of those things, and it's a really great atmospheres. And there are just things, even if it's not your team, it's worth going to to add that checklist, you know, to add that to the checklist. Oh, yeah. And um, so I, I do. I'm excited, and I'm excited for Saturday. I hope that 
Look, I know it's not likely they're going to beat Denmark, but no. how cool yeah. would it be if they do? Oh, yeah. No doubt. I mean, yeah. I mean, and setting up for Saturday, that's, that's a good transition here. Bo, what a day we have. That game starts oh. at 9. You roll in to the conference championship Saturday with uh, TCU-K State at 11 right after that. And you got USC-Utah the night before. Uh, obviously, you got the SEC and Big Ten and ACC title games as well. And then we get the football Sunday, you know, a, a great slate. Probably my favorite slate of NFL games of the year so far. I mean, we're the ones that are fortunate here. I mean, we get uh, just sit back and watch. And, I mean, don't move in front of that couch. I mean, those those errands, those leaves, they can, they can wait till later. Yeah. Starting Friday night. Because we've got that USC uh, Utah game, and that's basically a playoff spot. I mean, USC wins their end. Um, and then you've got, like you said, the game early Saturday, and then you've got the two biggest games left are the next two time slots the 11 a.m. slot and the 3 p.m. slot. You know, the, 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 the uh, Big 12 and the SEC games, those are the ones that are the most important for the playoff. Right. We all kind of think the Big Ten is going to go a certain way, and it's the last game of the night. But we do have this period where we're going to have some really exciting, important games. And then Sunday might be the most important week we've had in the NFL season with some of the matchups that we have. There are playoff implications in a lot of games this week. We're yeah. going to know a lot about a lot of teams this week. And, I mean, we, we're local here, Kansas City, you know, the Chiefs are one of the big ones. It's going to be a really fun weekend. Yeah, let's uh, let's highlight some of these games across the NFL this week. Kind of just uh, scan them real quick, one by one. Yeah. Tonight, Bills and Patriots Thursday night football. There'd be some weeks this might be the best or second best game of the the slates, but this year, this week, it's maybe the sixth or seventh best. And uh, I think we're in for a dandy here. I mean, it's not a given, Bo that the Bills yeah. are going to go into New England and win this football game here. I think Bill Belichick and company are going to give uh, the Bills all they can handle here. New England has played a lot better as of late here. I, I, I think Mac Jones and the Patriots, it wouldn't shock me at all if they win this game. Yeah, the Patriots have won three out of four. And I know we're not going to – we'll get deeper into games. But uh, the Patriots have played a lot better, and they're figuring out what to do at Mac Jones. They're figuring out what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And I think that's something that's going to make that game more competitive. People think it's not going to be just Buffalo rolling their helmets onto the field and winning because they're a better team. Right. But yeah, we've got some great games. That's that's the best. We get that on Thursday night, which is nice to have a good Thursday night game too. Finally. Yeah. We haven't had that for a while. That's well, just that Chiefs Chargers game earlier in the year. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess the Vikings Patriots on, thir on Thanksgiving night last week. Was uh, yeah. I think that, yeah. That's not an Amazon Thursday night game. But, yeah. Uh, you know, and in that division, Bo, it's getting interesting, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the Dolphins have the tiebreaker right now. The Bills still control their own destiny, can still win that thing, and still could possibly end up as the one seed in the AFC here. And then the Patriots and Jets are there as well. I mean, how is this ultimately going to play out? You think in the AFC East? Uh, I, I still think the Bills win the division, but I mean, everyone's right there. Well, 
I mean, I think it's a two-team race for the division. I think that you look at the Dolphins and the Bills. Um, what I think helps the Bills is their, la- their last game between Buffalo and Miami in a couple of weeks is in Buffalo. Yeah. That's a big deal because the Dolphins, warm-weather teams tend to not play well when they go to that Buffalo thing. You're going to have to deal with the snow, and it's vice versa. If that game was in Miami – the Dolphins are going to have would have a huge advantage, as they're going to have a couple of times at the end of the season. Right, Miami got to have the 100 degree game in September against the Bills. Now, yeah, so I mean, it makes a big deal that that game is going to be up in Buffalo. You know, I think that both the Dolphins and the Bills will be in the playoffs. The Jets and the Patriots, it's almost like okay, one of them might get in. There is an outside shot; the whole division gets in. But you would have to see one of those two teams in the north fall off, either the Ravens or the Bengals. Uh, and that very well could be the Bengals because the Bengals play the hardest schedule from here on out. And then the south looks like it's a one-team race, which is Tennessee, and the west is the Chiefs are going to run away with it. But could the Chargers play their way into it? They're 6-5. and five. Technically, they have the same record as the Patriots. Could they play their way into a playoff spot? You never know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that East that East division, I think three are going to get in. I'm not sure which one it'll be between the Jets and the Patriots just yet. Speaking of the Jets, uh, they're playing the Vikings. We'll pick that game coming up later. Yeah. Um, what I wonder with the Vikings, you look at their last three games, overtime win against the Bills, um, blown out by the Cowboys, Solid win against the Patriots last week on Thanksgiving night. Even before that, you could point to a win on the road against the Commanders, which looks like a good win now. Um, We asked last week, Thomas and I went back and forth about if the Vikings were frauds or not. Um, Now where they stand 9-2, and coming off that win, did they – did, did you like the response? Was that good enough to convince you on this Minnesota team, or are they still – not quite there yet. What say you, Bo? I think they're a really good team. In the end, my biggest concern of the Vikings is the quarterback. It's really the only concern that I have. I like their defense, love their receiving core, love their run game. Against good teams, Kirk Cousins may be the reason you don't win. And I just... I watched the Thursday night game, and it was parts of it where I was like, God, he he's getting bailed out by these great receivers. I mean, Jefferson had one that was an amazing catch, and Hawkinson had a touchdown catch that was a terrible throw. I, I just looked at it, and I go, man, I mean, these things are close, and he's good, but he's not great. Right. I would be worried about having that guy – in a one-game situation, because he can make a mistake against our, he'll make the mistake against bad teams and get away with it. But if he makes the mistake against a super good team, a playoff team, it ain't gonna happen. The Eagle, a team like the Eagles, a team like the Cowboys, who I really I believe is a team I wouldn't want to play in a one-game scenario. I think the Vikings are very good, but I don't know that they're Super Bowl level, and it's only because of him. That's the only thing I have a problem with. Commanders and Giants, that's a a game we'll also pick later. Both, for me, 
the winner of this game is not actually the Commanders or the Giants. It's the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams are so beaten up, I have no problem picking the Seahawks pretty handily against that Rams team. Uh, the Rams are without so many starters. And assuming Seattle takes care of business, um, they are going to be either just a half game back of the Giants if the Giants win and the Seahawks do have the tiebreaker with the Giants from the head-to-head. Or they could potentially pass up both guys in the wild card race uh, if the Commanders win this game here. Um, for me, that that's the one where Seattle on, on the, you know, right there in the, in the playoff picture is going to greatly benefit that the Commanders and Giants play twice in this final stretch of the season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's, I hadn't even looked at it that way. But if you look, it looks like it's going to end up being a three-team race for the last two spots. You look at the Giants, the Commanders, and the Seahawks. Now, I think the Commanders, the best of those three teams, maybe a smidge better than the Seahawks, but I wouldn't hold it against the Seahawks, especially since they got you mentioned the Rams game. The Rams aren't out there. Donald's going to miss some time. Right, they get the Rams twice. Uh, here. Yeah, and they get them with no Stafford. That offense, no Cup. That offense has been bad. Donald is out now. And they also get Carolina in another game too. Yeah, so I I think that you you're on to something there. I know I haven't looked at Seattle that close in that way, but yeah, I think that's what you'll see. And I do think the Giants are going to pull back just a little. Same reason that I I'm not sold on the Vikings. In the big time sense, it's why I'm not sold on the Giants getting that last playoff spot is the quarterback play. Right. I just don't quite – I like Taylor Heineke better than I do their regular quarterback, you know, with Carson Wentz, and I like him better than I do Daniel Jones. So I – yeah, I just – and I think Rivera's done a great job with the commander, especially his last six, seven weeks. Yeah. Titans taking on the Eagles and you know, the A.J. Brown revenge game, if you want to call it that. Um, the game is in Philly. I wish it was in Nashville. Um, the one knock you could say on the the Eagles is that they haven't necessarily been tested. They, they uh, beat Dallas without Dak. Minnesota was all the way back at week two. Finally, this is a legit test for Philly. I feel like we're – I like this Philly team. I'm convinced I'm sold. But, Bo, I felt like we're really going to learn a lot about Philly here if they can go out and dominate Tennessee. Yeah, I think that these are two teams that are a lot alike as far as how they want to play the game. Um, I think the Eagles are a better team. You're right. I think that the Titans are uh, the best test they're going to have, and mostly because that Vikings game earlier in the season was early, and then the Cowboys, no Dak, again, the – the, the Eagles have had a little bit of help in that way. Um, but I do think the Eagles are the best team. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. But I do think that this will be their best test. I think they'll pass it. Now, I do think that the Eagles still are going to drop one more game. Yeah. I said this in my past. I, I think they're going to finish 15-2. and two. I think they're going to drop that game to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I think that's the one that again that now I say that because that's the one team that I think can beat anybody in a one game scenario. Right. Um, 
the uh, the Broncos and the Ravens, the Ravens are at seven and four, tied in the division race, had no excuse to lose that game against the Jags last week. Justin Tucker should never have to attempt a 67-yard field goal to beat the Jags. That's just not fair to Justin Tucker. With that said, um, I know the Broncos are a disaster. Nobody, nobody wants to go to Russell Wilson's birthday party. And, you know, even when uh, – you know things are rough when no one even wants to go to Ciara's house. You know I mean? Like, if you're, what, what are you doing? You may hate no. Russ's guts. But you're not going to Ciara's house? Like, I mean, man, if, I, if I was invited to Russell Wilson's birthday party, my first question would simply be, is Ciara going to be there? Right. If she is, and again, I'm a married man, I got to tell my wife and she has to come with me. Right. Because I'm getting my ass kicked later if I don't bring her. So I get that. But, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to go and just, just to see her. I mean, and not just because she's a beautiful woman, but, I mean, that's celebrity you don't meet every day, in right. Denver especially. Things are yeah, bad I, in Denver. Nobody's going to Russ's birthday party and with CR there. With that said, no excuse for Baltimore here. Um, no. You got the easiest schedule in the league the rest of the way out. Can't be losing teams like Denver here. No, they, they really better not. I mean, it's – look, they're, they're – the Ravens are in a spot where they're seven and four to tied for the division lead. They're tied with the Bengals, who have the hardest schedule moving forward. And then the Bengals play the Ravens the last week of the season. They already had the first game, the Ravens won. So the Bengals are going to be playing from behind. So if you're the Ravens, you've got to win this week. You've got to beat the Steelers next week, the Browns, the Falcons. And then the Steelers, the last second to last week, you got to win these next, all these next five. Just get it to where that no matter what the outcome of week 18 is, you're the division winner. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep it moving here. Uh, Dolphins at 49ers. That's another game that we're going to pick coming up later uh, on. Uh, blows my mind. The best game of the week is going to be regional. This game isn't even nationally televised uh, between these two. But uh, is is there any chance, Bo, a Super Bowl preview, or is that a reach here? Um, these are two teams that can be in the argument. I'll put it that way. I I'm not as high on the 49ers as some people are. I just it's the quarterback thing. Um, and the Dolphins just have that tough division. I mean, they've got to play. You get when you've got. New England and the Jets and Buffalo on the division, you're going to be battle-tested. I I don't think it's too far off to say they could be, but I don't think either are the favorite. I'll probably put it that way. Okay. Um, Chiefs and Bengals, uh, that's America's game of the week uh, you know, on CBS. And two great quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, um, I, I very much wonder here, Bo. Um, we've seen Patrick kind of play with his chip on his shoulder at times. You know, prove it here. I, I, I there's no way the Chiefs have forgotten about that AFC title game, right? I mean, we're, we're going to see you know guns ablaze in Patrick Mahomes on Sunday here, aren't we? You would think so, um, but you're going to see guns ablazing Joe Burrow as well. Hey, Joe Burrow's played great in the last six weeks. 
Yeah. I mean, he's 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 not in the Mahomes part of the MVP argument, but he's just right there. If he wasn't if coming the Bengals off the go, if the Bengals win five out of six in that schedule they've got and they beat the Chiefs, then Burrow might win the MVP. If Burrow didn't have to come back from the abendectomy to begin the year yeah. and throw four picks against Pittsburgh, who knows? Who knows, yeah. And that was how that season started. They played that worst game of their season, the first game, and he was not in good shape. Um, and it was the only game he's played bad in. Now, having said that, I watched the Chiefs game last week. They played a sloppy offensive game. Yeah. And I'll tell you what the one that surprised me was the Mahomes interception in the red zone where he threw it in the end zone and it was intercepted. That was him getting cute because he had a receiver. He was trying to fit it into Kelsey. And if you look, if he scans just a little more to the left, he's got the back wide open. Right. I mean, and he was there. Uh, he see, it was the same throw. It was an easier throw. Yeah. I He was trying to get his boy. Now, I'll say this. A non-quarterback is not going to win the MVP award nowadays, just not how the, the league is set up. Right. But is there any player in the league playing better than Travis Kelsey right now? No. I mean, he's – it doesn't have to be that he doesn't have to catch the ball 12 or 15 times the game to change the game. He can have four catches, but he's going to score twice. And he's going to – he's such a matchup nightmare. I'm not saying he's the best tight end of all time. I don't – you know me, I don't like that goat thing. But he's certainly in the argument, and he's playing at a level right now at tight end that I've only seen from one player. And that's Gronkowski. Yeah. I mean, even when Travis Kelsey's covered, he's so strong and his hands are so strong, he takes the ball away. Right. I think that's so important to the Chiefs. That's the difference, I think, in that game, honestly, with the Bengals. Yeah. Is the Bengals don't have anybody like that. Right. They don't have Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase isn't what Kelsey is. Yeah. Uh, He's outstanding. I think that Travis Kelsey's the most having the most underrated season I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think in a lot of years, he'd be an MVP candidate. Yeah. But he's not a quarterback. A um, few more games to run through real quick. Um, Chargers and Raiders, sneaky good game, I think, here. Raiders have won two straight, beating Denver and beating Seattle in an overtime thrower last week. And I don't think the Raiders have any chance of making the postseason, but Bo – I don't want to play this Raiders team right now. The offense has figured some stuff out. Saw what they did at on the road against Seattle last week. Chargers rivalry game here. The Raiders are going to get the Patriots. They're going to get the Niners and the Chiefs all before the end of the season. Don't think the Raiders are making the postseason, but they certainly can play spoiler here. That team is, uh, I think, a lot better than they were a couple weeks ago. I don't, I don't want to face the Raiders right now. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Derek Carr's playing salty. I mean, he is just salty the last couple of weeks. He Josh ain't happy Jacobs about anything. And he's just leaving it on the field. Where has that Derek Carr been for the last four years? Now, the flip side is the Chargers. They're getting healthy. Right. And that's a talented team. And I like me some Justin Herbert. That kid's got a cannon. 
He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And their schedule after this, I mean, I think they win this Raiders game. They do have the Dolphins and they have the Titans, but they end with Colts, Rams, Broncos, which looked a lot more daunting about a month and a half ago. Yeah. That's a team that could sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. You win one of those games against the Dolphins and the Titans. Because the Titans are the antithesis of what the Chargers want to do. Right. And so it'd be interesting to see who can dominate the way the game is played. But if they get those receivers healthy, man, I don't know if I want the Chargers down the, down the down at the end either. Yeah. The Chiefs are lucky they haven't had to if they've gotten those games out of the way, or the Chiefs lost one of them. Lost, right. lost. Well, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. The Chargers lost both of them. Right. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Chiefs are lucky they don't have to play them again. Right. But I mean, it's a team that gets healthy. Yeah. I see where you're going with the Raiders, though. I do. I see that. And I. Spoiler. Plain spoiler. Plain spoiler. Yeah. I mean, let me pull that schedule up again. I'm sorry. Take an extra second of your time. But um, as I look at their schedule, yeah, they're a team that does have some matchups coming up where, whether it's the Chargers this week or the Patriots, I think is a really good example. That game's at home. Uh, the 49ers come into them at the end, and then the Chiefs come to them at the end. Raider Nation's going to show up. Right. And it's going to get interesting. I mean, yeah. that, that, that stadium's not always going to be the opposing stadium. Right. So, yeah. A um, couple more here. Uh, Colts and Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys at eight and three. I think they're they're legit. That defense looks like the best in the NFL. The Colts. Uh, it was it was cool the uh, the win against the uh, the Raiders they had a couple weeks back, but it it feels like the the feel good Jeff Saturday story is kind of kind of over. I mean, uh, Jeff. Uh, do you know how timeouts work? I mean, we, we, we joke so much about being the, uh, the, you know, couch quarterback, you know, the, uh, managing timeouts and Jeff Saturday forgot how to use timeouts last week. Yeah. I, it's, you know, this is a team that's not going to make the playoffs. They're four, seven and one. Um, and they've lost the last two that first week is the Raiders. It was great. They won and they run into the buzzsaw that is the Eagles and they kept that game close. I mean, that was the hardest game the Eagles have played, except for the one they lost. Right. And then they put a they put a good game against the Steelers. I think. Yeah, the, the end of the game we saw the inexperience of Jeff Saturday, but it's not just Jeff Saturday. Let me say it this way. I noticed this last weekend, and I don't know. We didn't talk about this yet, but head coaches are afraid to kick field goals. Yes. It's like they're allergic to them. Yes. I get it that the analytics say that you need to go for it on fourth and one. But early in that game, that game at a point was, I believe at the time it was 17-13. And the Colts had a penalty. They were going to go for it on fourth and one. Then they have an offsides. They're now fourth and six. They kick the field goal. They make it. It's now a three-point game, and you're near the end of the third quarter. Plenty of time. But then there's a offsides that makes it a first down. And so the Colts decided the points off the board. And what did Matt Ryan do three plays later? He did Matt Ryan things and throws an interception in the end zone. 
I, I'm not a believer of taking points off the board. I was sitting there at my wife watching the game Monday night, and I was like, she's like, well, they're going to get the first down. I said, don't take points off the board. Don't do it. Because if you still got 20 yards to go, or 15 yards even, you can't settle for three after the fact. Right. You have to keep moving. You have to get in the end zone if you take points off the board. What happens? You're going to force something. Murphy's Law jumps in. And sure enough, what happened? An interception the other way. They didn't take it all the way back the other way, but then you have the score going the other way a few minutes later, and now it's out of hand to 10-point game. It's like, come on. You... To me, that was more egregious or just as egregious as the not calling the timeout in the last 40 seconds. But there was two times you should have called a timeout. These coaches still don't understand how clocks work. I don't know how that's possible. And we've argued about that in the Coach Bose segment many times. That just have somebody in the headset or somebody on the sideline who's telling these head coaches, guys, you've got to call a timeout now. It's now. It's not this next. It's it. I don't know how we can do it watching the game at home. I mean, there's so many times we've seen this throughout the year. And it's not just Jeff Saturday. It's everybody. Right. It, it, the two things I think are hurting coaches in the NFL is not knowing how to do a clock and allergic to kicking field goals. Give me points. Points, baby. I don't care how they come on. Give me points. Monday night, uh, Saints take on the Bucks, And if the Saints win – they and the Bucks will have the same number of wins at five. And the Falcons, uh, if they lose to the Steelers, they would be at five wins as well. Um, all of a sudden, we got a three-team race for that division, Bo. Uh, and we could have a, a team with a losing record end up as the South champion. We will have a team with a losing record as the, the South champion. It'll be the Bucks, but it'll be a losing record. Um, all right. It's hurts to say. You know I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. I have given up on this team. This performance last week against the 49ers, you couldn't have asked for a better defensive performance than what the Saints did against the 49ers in San Francisco. They held that rushing attack, which is a really good rushing attack. Second best one in the league. They run the football, and the Saints totally stopped the run. Held them to 3.3 yards of carry. One touchdown, 13 points, and the Saints offense couldn't score. If your quarterback is Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill is the backup, but you've got a healthy Jameis Winston sitting on the sideline, you don't deserve to win a game. It's just plain and simple. And I know that people point at Jameis Winston and go and make fun of him because he had a 30-interception season three years ago. He threw 30 touchdowns in that season, too. And his team went to the playoffs. You know, the only chance the Saints have to win any more games this year is if Jameis Winston's a quarterback and he's healthy and they're not playing him. And I think there's a lot to this story. It's not out there yet. I've heard a few things. I know some people down in New Orleans. This has a lot to do with the coaching staff and the organization themselves not trusting Jameis and wanting to move on. It's it's a shit show in New Orleans. I'd like to say they have a chance against the Bucs. 
but they don't. The Bucks aren't that good anyway. I mean, it's 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 sad because the Saints have more talent on their team yeah. than everybody else in that division. They just refuse to play the right quarterback. Yeah, it's it's a very good point. Um, well, uh, we'll talk more about Tom Brady and the Bucks coming up later on in the uh, football fix. Uh, you'll hear from Bo coming up later. Uh, more on that coming up next. Big Twelve breakdown. Uh, also, Will Scott set to stop by and join us. Still got Tom Fullery later, but uh, let's go ahead and take a look around the Big Twelve conference with this week's Big Twelve breakdown. It is the Big Twelve breakdown. Tyler Jones alongside Coach Bo Brian O'Connor with a comprehensive look around the Big Twelve conference this week. And Bo, we begin this segment each and every week with. Hot takes around the Big 12. Uh, we like to get a little spicy here. And I'll start by hot take for the Big 12. Um, news came out on Wednesday that Ren Baker was hired to new AD at West Virginia. And that also, along those lines, Neil Brown would be retained as the West Virginia head coach. And if you've been listening to me, folks, all this year, I have been calling for Neil Brown to be fired at West Virginia about every single week, and I think he's done a terrible job. Um, I still think he deserves to be fired. But my hot take here, Bo, I feel like this might be the smart take. Maybe I'm even overthinking it. You can tell me on this. I feel like that West Virginia actually knows what they're doing here by keeping Neil Brown. Let me explain. I think what West Virginia is doing here, they bring in Ren Baker, they're giving him time to set up things the way he wants, to get ready for this new era in the Big 12, and he's got basically a year, essentially, to get his search firm, to get all his ducks in a row, to go hire the head coach he wants, and to get the you know, get an eye for the landscape, essentially, for what things are going to look like for West Virginia. This is a program that in this new Big 12, I think, has a golden opportunity to compete. Where I know they got a good basketball program, they got a Hall of Fame head coach in Bob Huggins. Now here's a chance for them in this football program. They have one of the most respected university presidents in the country in Gordon G., um, who's been at Brown. He's been at Ohio State. Um, he's been at some elite institutions. Um, even if I like the idea of firing Neil Brown, I think West Virginia has a game plan figured out. They'll make Brown take a pay cut. They'll reduce his buyouts and they give him one more shot. If it works, uh, you know, he stays on. If not, then they have time to get this right and get this hiring right next year. I, I, I think West Virginia, although I disagree, I think they know what they're doing here. That's my hot take this week, Bo. You could be on to something. It could be a situation where they've got a built-in scapegoat, new AD, says, hey, I don't have the position ready right now to make a good choice for a head coach. I'm not sure there's a lot of good candidates out there right now either. I think we'll, we talked about a couple of them. We'll talk about a couple of them later, but – I, I don't know that, that I think you may I don't know if it's that nefarious, but you may be right that it may be one of those, okay, let's see what he can do, and then I'll make a decision as the AD next year if it's not better. Yeah, I mean, because you're gonna have a better pool to pull from, I think, at that time. And I mean, 
it never hurts to not have to spend a bunch of money right as you come in as the AD. Right. What's uh what's a hot take for the Big 12 you got, Bo? I, I've got a couple of them. One, I was really impressed with Kansas State. Now, look, I have been the guy who has been, oh, Kansas State's not good. They've taken on and, – and, and I pointed at earlier in the year, I pointed at they lost a home game to Tulane. Uh, look, Tulane's about to make the, make the New Year's Six Bowls if they win the American Conference, so that is not a bad loss anymore. Um, has Kansas State has played so much better with a quarterback change. Adrian Martinez is out, and they bring in – I can't think of the young Will man's Howard. name now. Yes, Will Howard, I'm sorry. And Will Howard's been great. Uh, he has uh, done really well in that position. They are a better football team with Will Howard at quarterback. And I think that had this happened a few weeks ago, they could have been the one sitting there instead of TCU. If they would have never brought in Adrian Martinez and would have stuck it out with Will Howard, who was already in their program, they would have been so much better off. Yeah. Yeah, my hot take would be if K-State had played Will Howard in the beginning of the season, they're playing for the playoff spot and not TCU. Man, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. I'll say this. like Will's probably going to be your starter next year. I think K-State's going to be right there. I I, I think K-State's still going to be a force to be reckoned with, but, I mean, it's never guaranteed any given year. Uh, potential missed opportunity, but nonetheless, a yeah. great year. You said you had a, a, another hot take, too. The other hot take is a team that I'm so disappointed in, and that is – and I know I'm filling in for Tom today, Tom's Oklahoma State Cowboys. My God, they've lost four out of five, five out, they've lost five out of seven. They haven't even been competitive. Um, Mike Gundy is a horrible game day coach. Flat <laughs> out, a terrible game day coach. I was convinced after like six weeks into this season, I was like, this is a good football team. And they, they lost a close game against TCU. It was a high-scoring game against TCU. And they came back and they beat up Texas. And I thought, man, this is a good team. This team has a chance to win the Big 12 and could even win out and go to the playoff. And once I said that, they lost four out of five. They lost Kansas State. They lost Kansas, and they got shredded by Kansas. They got whooped by Kansas State. That game was, if the game was over like halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, Oklahoma beat them up in the Bedlam game, and then West Virginia beat them this past week at home. <laughs> at home, yes. I mean, Oklahoma State has been awful for the last month. It is all on Gundy. He is, I think, one of the worst game day coaches in all of college football. Um, If they have another year like this next year, six, seven wins, whatever it is, is it time to give Mike Gundy the Gary Patterson treatment that uh, TCU gave? Like, hey, we appreciate what you did to build this thing up, but it's time to go by. You know, it, it comes down to this time with, with Oklahoma State. They, they got to figure out who they are. Do they want to be ascending to the top of the Big 12? 
And look, all these teams, whether it's Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, even Kansas is going to have a chance at this. You have Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma's leaving, and Texas is leaving. But you have these spots open now. There is no big dog. Right. Cincinnati's coming in. A couple other teams are coming in. It's like, okay, we've got a fight. Someone's going to have to be the alpha male here. There is no reason it couldn't have been Oklahoma State. And honestly, it's because that guy on game day is horrible. Absolutely horrible. I I just, I don't understand what he's doing on game day. I, I think he's got some great players. I think that he's got some, he finds players that aren't great recruits and he uses them really well. Like he goes and gets these, some of these two and three star players who end up being really good players. But he gets out coached almost every Saturday. Yeah. And sometimes he just has better players and they get it done. Horrible. Um, but yeah, I think that there's going to come a time where if you're one of these teams that wants to ascend to the top of the Big 12, you've got to ask yourself, are we okay with just being in the fight or do we want to be the dominant program? Right. Because the opportunity to be the dominant program is up for grabs. Yeah, it is. Um, and speaking of coaching jobs, we mentioned Neil Brown in West Virginia. Cincinnati is the latest Big 12 opening, uh, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Luke Fickle takes the Wisconsin job. Uh, we've seen Deion Sanders' name come up. Uh, a number of coaches uh, for this uh, Cincinnati job potentially here. It's a loss for the Big 12. I think everyone was excited to have Luke Fickle joining this league, but that won't be the case, obviously. Now, it's very interesting because it seemed like if Fickle was going to go with Cincinnati, then the plan was in place that they were going to push on ahead and compete right away in the, in the Big 12. Now, Bo, there's uncertainty because you don't know who the ne- next head coach is going to be. Um, you know, your plan going forward in the Big 12 here, uh, this is not an ideal time for Cincinnati to be hiring a head coach right now. Fickle did a great job, and it was huge for them to make the playoff and all that last year. But, I mean, the, the, the timing is, is is not good on their end to be going into this new league with a, with a brand-new head coach based on the foundation they've already laid the last couple of years, not yeah. not riding the momentum. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the, the issue I see, though, is that, as we were just discussing, it, if you go get the right guy, I mean, look, Cincinnati's lucky they got this season out of Fickle. He could have easily have left last season. He wanted to coach that team in the playoffs. Otherwise, he would have left, and he had plenty of opportunity to leave. He gets a good opportunity at Wisconsin, and frankly, for Cincinnati's coach, that's not a bad opportunity. But going into the Big 12 now, it's one of those, okay, now you might get a candidate at Cincinnati that you wouldn't have gotten a year ago because there is no alpha. Like I said, it's it's Cincinnati has as good a chance of being the team in this conference that Oklahoma State or Kansas State do. What's the difference in those programs? Not a lot. And they're rebuilding year they weren't bad. They had a good year. No, they, they were really good this year. And you consider the all the and they had NFL talent a year ago that went off to the league. Players drafted at any school last year. Yeah. And it's just and they've got guys who are starters in the NFL right now. It's uh, it's 
He's done a great job. Luke Fickle has. I would have liked to have seen him in the Big 12 because I'd like to see what he would do with that schedule. But now Cincinnati also is this place that they wouldn't have come to the Big 12 if they weren't prepared to be a big-time program, to decide, hey, we want to be a competitive program. And it's a matter of how much do they want to compete? Do they want to compete and maybe be there once in a while or be the big dog? Right. They were the big dog in the American Conference. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good point. Um, let's talk about the uh, the only game of the Big 12 slate this week. It's the Big 12 title, TCU and K-State. Um we pretty much know the uh, the bowl situation of what it's going to be. No matter what, K-State looks like they'll be in the Sugar Bowl. Um, TCU, if they lose and miss the playoff, then they wouldn't get in the Sugar Bowl because K-State would be the Big 12 champion. They'd be in one of the other New Year's Six Bowls, uh, but they would not be in the Sugar Bowl. So the bowl game thing is not what they're playing for here. This is about winning the conference title and for TCU – securing, locking down that playoff spot. Um, Bo, I, I think the type of game we have on our hands here, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think you have two high-powered offenses. A lot of points uh, are going to be had, and it very well might come down to who's got the ball last and what quarterback plays better, whether it's Duggan or whether it's uh, Will Howard here. Yeah, turnovers are going to be huge in this game. Uh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. I, you wouldn't have thought that a month ago. A month ago, you thought, okay, it'll be a middling scoring game. It TCU could outscore Kansas State. K-State's been so good offensively for the last month that this is going to be a shootout. This is going to be who makes it to 40. And it might be who, who gets the ball last. And it might be who makes the one mistake that costs their team, you know, whether it's a a fumble or more likely an interception by one of these two quarterbacks. Um, They've both played so well. Max Dugan's played well all season. Um, I'm surprised he's not getting more buzz for the Heisman Trophy, honestly. Um, I think he's deserving of being a finalist. Um, It's going to be high scoring, I think, and I think it's going to be very competitive. I don't see – even at this game at one point, if one team gets two scores ahead – both these teams could make up that two scores. You know, so if you're looking at this game and it's uh, 27-14 with five minutes to go in the second quarter, hold on because it could be 28-24 real quick. Yeah. So don't think that either team is out. Either way, I don't think either team will be out of it in that, in that case. Last question. We'll, uh, we'll end on this ball. Um Assuming TCU wins, they get in the playoff. Um, a Big 12 team has never won a playoff game before. Granted, Oklahoma's the only Big 12 team that's ever made the playoff, and they lost every time. Can TCU beat Michigan or Ohio or or Georgia, which who they likely face? It'd be one of those two teams in that in that semifinal game. Are they capable of pulling it off or? Is Georgia or Michigan either one you think too much for this TCU team? Do they do they belong, basically? Obviously, they would earn the right to be there, but are they among that tier with those teams? Well, okay, I, I think you you caught yourself because I was going to say they've earned it to get there. Right. They've played the schedule. They've done it. They've won the games. 
And I think even if they lose to Kansas State in a close game, they should still get in. Um, look, the difference is, is that TCU could put up points on the board. I'd, it's going to be difficult to put points on the board against Georgia. Georgia's defense is the best defense in the country. But if it does become a shootout, Georgia's quarterback isn't good enough to get into a shootout with TCU. I don't think that's likely. I mean, I don't think that's, I guess, two out of ten times they play that game. I think it's a closer game than people think, and you, Max Dugan will make a couple of plays that make that game closer. Team, I don't want to play if I'm TCU. I don't want to play Michigan. And I'll tell you why. Michigan shortens games. Michigan is old school, baby. I mean, what they did to Ohio State is exactly what they've done to everybody this year. They're not sexy. They don't go out there and put up 30 in the first half, but they just beat you down. And in the second half, no one's beating them. Georgia has a chance, but Michigan is so good in the second half. They just keep running the ball, running the ball. It's not fancy. They just tire you out offensive, defensively. And those big boys up front, they're built like a Bo Schembechler Michigan team. This is like an 80s Michigan team. And and they're just, they're just better athletes. I And I'm not saying that TCU isn't going to represent themselves with the Big 12 well, and I know the Big 12 hasn't fared well in the playoff, but I don't think that's going to be the knock here on TCU. TCU will have a fair chance. It's not likely they'll beat one of those two teams. But any given day, you never know what can happen. I don't think it means that they would be fraudulent getting there. I don't think it means they haven't earned it. Right. Because they certainly have. I just think those are two matchup nightmares. For yeah. a, I think those two teams are a matchup nightmare for everybody. Right. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, coming up next, uh, Will Scott's going to join us talking more college football uh, and uh, get his thoughts on uh, TCU and the playoff and everything in between when he joins us. Stay with us. Sports fans, we're glad to welcome into the show none other than Will Scott, my colleague at uh, Chat Sports, and uh, to make his debut here on the uh, show. Will, it is uh, good to hear from you. You're actually not here with me. We're joined via Zoom uh, here, but nonetheless, uh, good to have you here. What's going on, man? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a long time coming, me finally coming on the Jones Report, but it's good to finally be on. Yes, and uh, Will, in case people don't know, for the uh, Jones Report listeners out there, you know, we were, we all, you got to experience the Summer of Jones for the first time, and you were the man behind the Summer of Jones playlist. I was, I was, and you know, we, we both started in March, chat sports, Jones, and um you know, you from the jump, you were talking about the summer of Jones. You were hyping it up. And around the same time, I'm thinking, man, like I need a summer playlist, you know, a song that kind of puts me in the mood for summer. And so, uh, you know, one night we uh, we came up with the uh, summer of Jones playlist. And in my opinion, it's the best playlist ever uh, constructed. Yeah. And it was a big hit. Smashing success. Everybody loved the uh, summer of Jones playlist on uh, Spotify and Apple Music, and uh, that was that was the way uh, you 
contributed to your uh, first summer of Jones. I'd say it was a success. Yes, it was. And I'm already looking uh, forward to creating the summer of Jones 2023 playlist. The question is, do we just add or take away from the last playlist or do we start completely from scratch? That's something that we have a few months to think about here. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Uh, I got my Spotify wrap today. I'm an Apple Music guy, so I feel left out today, man. So what was funny was I was going through checking out my uh, my list and and everything. And to your credit, uh, Will, you you diversified me a bit. I listened to this year about 38 different genres of music. And I think you were a big part of that reason why with coming up with this said playlist. Well, you know, people give me a hard time in a good way because my music is kind of all over the place. I mean, I think my top five most listened to artists last year were Travis Scott, um, ABBA, uh, Morgan Wallen, Taylor Swift, and like Kid Cudi. Um, so, I mean, just like all over the place. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a favorite genre. I just like good music that gets me... Uh, you know, rocking and rolling. So most of mine were country music, but then I listened to a lot after that. Country was the priority, but then everything else kind of just followed suit at that point for me personally of what ended up working out. But uh, a lot of, for me, Will, was uh, Dustin Lynch, Sam Hunt, and uh, Luke Combs, uh, the trifecta there. Yes. Yeah. I've started to get a little bit more into country music, having moved back down to Texas from uh, Syracuse, New York, my guy. But, um, you know, just being down here, you uh, you got to you got to at least um, tolerate country music. So I'm, I'm getting there. Sure. Sure. Uh, Will, we mentioned uh, you and I, we started chat sport at the same time. Tell the folks uh, about your background a bit, get to know you. Uh, you're you're from Houston originally and. And uh, went to Syracuse. Yeah, so I, I was born and raised um, in Sugarland, Texas, a suburb of H-Town. Uh, whole life, wanted to go to LSU, actually. Grew up a big LSU fan. But when I got to be a freshman in high school, I really started to seriously pursue a broadcasting career. Uh, the assistant principal, who I formed a pretty good relationship with, he let me um, start a broadcast program. He gave me the keys, the, the finances to, to start a broadcast program at high school. We turned it in uh, to one of the best in the country, still going strong to this day, Eagles on the air at, at Fort Bend Christian Academy in Sugarland. And, um, you know, when I got to be an upperclassman in high school, you know, you start to look at colleges. And as much as I loved LSU, you know, when I got into Syracuse, you know, I couldn't turn it down. Uh, you know, much like KU, it's a great program that's um, – you know, produced a lot of talent, you know, specifically play-by-play talent. At the time, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I got into Syracuse, I couldn't turn it down. Went to Syracuse, was pretty heavily involved with student media there, whether it was student television, student radio, ACC Network Extra, you know, calling a lot of different sports there. After I graduated from Syracuse, I got a job with the uh, AAA team of the Mets in Syracuse, the Syracuse Mets. Um, but in my, you know, in my heart, I want to be back in Texas. You know, I love that job with the Mets so, so much, but uh, this opportunity with chat sports came about, you know, uh, to do this, this, uh, to cover the dolphins and to do a lot of, um, on air work on YouTube. And I believe digital media is the future, which really attracted me to this job. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was too good to pass up, man. The opportunity to be back in Texas doing that. 
And with that, with you going to Syracuse, growing up an LSU fan, you are literally the only LSU Syracuse fan I've ever met, Will. Yeah, yeah. My my sports teams are are a little bit all over the place. You know, I was I was in a, the grocery store not too long ago, and I think um, I think I was wearing uh, a Syracuse jacket with an LSU hat and Ooh. no, I, I had a Syracuse. You know, here, here's what it was. I had a Syracuse lanyard, an Astros jacket and a Miami dolphins cap. And the guy, and then the guy in front of me was watching the Mets game. I'm like, Oh, let's go Mets. And he's like, what? Well, hold on a second here. Like explain this. I'm like, well, I work for the Mets. I cover the dolphins. I'm from Houston and went to Syracuse. So <laughs> sometimes I have to explain a, a lot of why I like the sports teams that I do, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, I'll, I'll say this. I'll give Will better for the doubt here. You are as much as I give you grief about this. Uh, you're not the worst in the office actually, when it comes to having multiple teams all over the map. So, Oh, not even close. Not even close. Right. But it could be much worse. I'll, I'll, right. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Will, uh, with, with being a big college football fan, I know that this is, uh, you know, this is a huge week here, championship week. Uh, how do you think this is ultimately going to play out here? Who's going to be the final four teams when it's all said and done comes Sunday afternoon? Yeah, you know, normally this week, Jonesy, there's a lot to play for, and I just don't really feel that same energy, that same excitement going into championship Sunday, it feels like a lot of these games are, are somewhat meaningless. And that just kind of tells you, um, you know, where we're at right now. You know, I feel like the top three should all be locks to get in. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think TCU is in that same boat. I think um, if they do lose, they might get absolutely hosed by this committee. Um, but I still think they should be a lock. We know that BAM and Michigan are locks. I think USC takes care of business against Utah. I really do. I know Utah has already beaten them. Uh, but I think USC, you know, neutral site gets the job done. I think the top four are going to remain the same. Now, what's interesting is if TCU or even more so USC loses, does that open the door for Ohio State? I think Bama's out as they should be. I don't think there's any place for Bama. It's ridiculous that Tennessee is behind them um, at this point. So we'll see what happens, but but I expect uh, Willie Betts has taken a lot of chalk this weekend. We'll say that. I love TCU minus two and a half. I love USC minus three. I love Tulane. Uh, a lot of chalk for sure. Uh, that USC game to me is the one that's interesting because it feels like, Will, that we'll probably have everything sorted out after that game Friday night when it comes to the rest of the playoff, if, if things hold serve and Utah, this is a team that already beat USC once. We know the matchup that that's not an ideal matchup for USC, a physical Utah team that uh, can run the football well and play good defense here, contrasting styles. I, I think USC is the team most likely on upset of the weekend. What say you? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there. Um, but, you know, when I'm looking at that game, I'm looking at the fact that USC just has a lot more to play for. And sure, Utah is playing for, you know, potentially a Rose Bowl spot. And if they lose, that's probably going to Washington. So I can understand that. Um, in terms of biggest chance at an upset, I'm honestly looking at Kansas State TCU. I think this Kansas State team is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have three losses, but um they're number 10 in the country for a reason they're a top 10 team for a reason so 
that's a game I'm looking at a potential upset. I know I just said I really like the value of TCU, but if I had to pick one of those top four games to be a potential upset, that might be it. I think LSU is going to give Georgia a tough time. Um, I might be a little bit biased saying that, but Brian Kelly, his whole career has been really, really good after a loss. I think LSU is going to be playing angry after what happened in College Station in Georgia. We saw last year in the SEC championship game, they didn't really have anything to play for. Win, lose, or draw, they were still going to the college football playoff, and they got absolutely destroyed by Alabama when they had nothing to play for. Very similar situation this year. I think Kirby Smart's going to make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, but LSU, I think, is going to cover easily the 16.5 points over there. Yeah, that should be interesting to follow. Um, one thing I wonder, and TCU fans – I imagine they're going to be all on the, their toes, hoping that 2014 doesn't happen again. Do you envision any scenario where Ohio State gets in over TCU? If let's say that, you know, TCU loses by a couple touchdowns, do they jump Ohio State in and knock TCU out? Is there any possibility Ohio State gets in over the Horn Frogs, you think? Well, you mentioned the USC game and how everything might be set after that. I think if USC loses tomorrow, tomorrow I should say um, Friday night, I think, I think TCU's in regardless of what happens. But if USC wins and TCU's in a situation here where if they lose, it might be them or Ohio State for number four, yeah, I can absolutely see a scenario where an 11-1 Ohio State team gets in over 12-1 TCU. I do not think that should be the case at all. I think TCU's resume is far more impressive than Ohio State. They have, I believe, more ranked wins at this point. Um, they were in their conference championship game. Ohio State was not after the loss to Michigan. But I'm just looking at what the committee's done in the past, Jonesy. I mean, it's all about brand name. I mean, if you had a school, I don't know, let's say, let's say, you know, Utah was number five, and they had to choose between Utah and TCU. they probably choose TCU. But Ohio State or Alabama, you're talking about brand names, and the committee, for whatever reason, well, we all know why, you know, money, uh, tends to favor those big-name schools. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not wrong in that at all. Uh, with that said, uh, I'll look at it this way, Will. Georgia, I think, is without question the best team in the country, far and none. And, you know, the, the national championship runs through Athens, Georgia. But then after that, I don't see there being much of a gap between your Michigans, your TCUs, your USC's of the world. Uh, what say you? You think Georgia's the team to beat? Can any of these teams take down the Bulldogs and win the title? Believe it or not, Tyler, Georgia's not my pick to win at all right now. I do not think they're going to win at all. It's so tough to repeat, man. I mean, we've seen Bama do it a few times, uh, but it's so tough to, to win two in a row. And I think Georgia absolutely has the talent to do it. They've been the best team all year long. But I'll tell you what, man, I had my doubts about Michigan going into that Ohio State game. I didn't get much of a chance to win that game, especially with a limited Blake Corum. And not only did they win, but they dismantled the Buckeyes on the road. Basically without Corum, too. Yeah, exactly. So Michigan's legit. Um, I think that run game can go at Georgia's defense and, and have success. I think Michigan's going to win it all. Uh, I really do. It just really feels like their year, this is going to be the second straight year they've made the playoff. It's been a very long time since they won it all. And again, it's so tough to repeat. So 
I think we're we're headed toward a Georgia Michigan championship game. I think this year, if the top four remains the same, that we're actually going to see some close semifinal games for once. Normally, the semifinal games are not very close, especially the one four game. I think both semifinal games are going to be close. Caleb Williams is going to give USC, or I should say Caleb Williams and USC are going to give Georgia problems. Uh, But I think it's going to be a Georgia-Michigan national championship game with Michigan winning a close one. Yeah, uh, that'd be certainly intriguing if that's the case. Let's uh, let's move on, talk about the National Football League now. You and I both cover this league so much in depth, you in particular with the Dolphins and uh, you me with the Seahawks here. And I'm looking just at the NFL slate as a whole, Will. I think this week is the best week of the year so far in the NFL. So many good games. Yeah. I mean, you know, just talking about the Dolphins, you know, you mentioned that I covered them. I mean, that 49ers game is going to be going to be wild. I mean, Mike McDaniel's uh, homecoming, you know, he spent several seasons under Kyle Shanahan there and Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson, Trent Sherfield. I mean, there's so many connections with the Dolphins and San Francisco, Wes Welker as well was on that coaching staff. So I'm really excited to watch that game. Uh, The Dolphins right now have a lot of concerns along that offensive line, but it is looking like Teron Armstead might play uh, very much 50-50. If he doesn't play and they start Greg Little left tackle, the Dolphins don't have much of a chance, in my opinion, against Nick Bosa and that 49ers front seven. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that game, and and that's really going to tell us a lot about this Miami team. You know, the Dolphins have probably the toughest three-game road trip of any team in the league coming up. they got to go to San Francisco, to the Chargers, and then to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, that'll be certainly interesting to see uh, how the Dolphins fare in that stretch. And the Niners, they're leading their division uh, right now. Jimmy G's been playing some much better football lately. Are you buying this Niners team? You, you think they're legit here? Is this just uh, – a phase they're going through. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize the year that Jimmy G's having. I mean, last year he had 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. This year he has 16 touchdowns, four picks. He's limiting the interception. He's throwing uh, for more touchdowns. I really like uh, just the way that that he manages. I mean, he's, you know, he's the classic game manager, but he's really, really good at it. Uh, Yeah, I'm sold on the Niners. I think this is a team – that can absolutely win it all. They were in the NFC Championship game last year. I feel like they have a better team this time around. They've won four straight games. Uh, that defense, I mean, you look at this four-game win streak, the defense given, has given up 14 points, 16 points, 10 points, and then they just shut out the Saints. Uh, so I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams this weekend when looking at that Miami-San Francisco game. I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, the Dolphins' defense, and in the 49ers offense, uh, we know that the 49ers defense is really good. And we know the Dolphins offense is really good. I want to see how the Dolphins defense does because they have the worst road defense in the league this year, averaging or giving up 32 points per game. And then I want to see how the Niners offense does here against Bradley Chubb in the Dolphins. Yeah. Will Scott, uh, Chad Sports joining us here at the Jones Sport this week as we're going around the uh, National Football League and Will, look at the team sitting atop the AFC and the NFC. Kansas City in the AFC side, Philly on the NFC side. And I don't know about you, I don't see any changes happening. I think Kansas City's in pretty good shape, Philadelphia as well. I would be surprised if either one of them lets go that number one seed doesn't have that bye when the playoffs begin. Yeah, you know, I was actually – 
in the, uh, I don't know if you do the ESPN playoff machine that comes out every year. Oh yeah. Um, believe it or not, I, you know, took a screenshot of my, my thing afterward. I had the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I I've never been a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, growing up in Houston, that that's enemy territory. Um, the Cowboys are so legit, man. To be honest, I think they're the team that comes out of the NFC. Um, they're just, this is the best Cowboys team I think I've seen in my lifetime. Um, just the talent they have on both sides of the ball. They're playing at such a high level right now. Um, I mean, the, the next game against, and keep in mind, the first time the Cowboys and the Eagles played, they didn't have Dak Prescott. It was Cooper Rush, who, who was playing really well coming into that game. But if you remember, he really, really struggled in that game. Got the Cowboys back into it, give them credit, but but some turnovers in that game for Rush. I, I think that it comes down to the wire in that division. I'm not look, I'm not Matthew Peterson saying the Eagles are frauds. Like I actually think the Eagles are a really good team. I think they're a team that wins 12 or 13 games, maybe even 14. But if the division comes down to that Eagles Cowboys game in Arlington, Cowboys probably win it. So so let me ask you this then. What is it about Dallas that you like more than Philly or what is it you don't like about Philly necessarily? I mean, Philly's one loss was to a Washington team that wasn't bad by any means. Washington looks like they're on the verge of making the playoffs themselves. What is it you like about Dallas more than Philly? Philly, you know, I just don't really think they've been battle tested. I mean, you look at their wins, Detroit, they beat Minnesota. That was early in the season though, before Minnesota got really, really hot. Beat Washington when Washington had Carson Wentz. Beat Jacksonville by a touchdown. Beat the Cardinals by three on the road. Cardinals are terrible this year. Beat the Cowboys without Dak Dak Prescott. Beat the Steelers, who are not good. Beat the Texans, worst team in the league. That was a fairly close game for a long time. Beat the Colts by one point. They had no business winning that game. Colts blew it. And then beat the Packers, allowing 33 points. To Green Bay, I just they haven't passed the eye test for me. And, you know, give them credit like they've only lost one game here through the first, you know, 12 weeks of the season. You got to give them a lot of credit for that. It's not easy to win this league. I don't care who you're playing. If, If you get a win, it's a win in the NFL for sure. But when I've watched Philly and I've watched Dallas, full strength Dallas, I've been more impressed by Dallas. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the AFC said we mentioned the Chiefs holding down that number one seed right now, but the Dolphins are there with the number two spot at eight and three. Buffalo is still lurking at eight and three as well. They would be the five seeds playoff started today. Who is the team you think most likely to take down Kansas City? Who who's going to be Kansas City's biggest challenge? You think the AFC said that's tough, man. I, I think. I think the three top teams in the AFC are the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Dolphins in no particular order with the Ravens right behind them. I think the Ravens are probably the fourth best team in the AFC. I think the top four are pretty clear, honestly. Um, To me, it's the Dolphins. I mean, they have not lost with Tua all year. Um, The Bills, meanwhile, have looked – somewhat vulnerable at times um yeah they're eight and three yeah they have two wins in a row yeah they have josh allen yeah they have so much talent on defense as well 
But for me, I mean, who can go at Patrick Mahomes and maybe beat him? I think it's I think it's two in the Dolphins the way they're playing right now. I will say this though, I don't think because of this really tough three game road trip, the Dolphins win that division. Uh, the Bills have a little bit of a more of a favorable schedule down the stretch. In fact, five of the Dolphins' last six games are against teams that are uh, that are above 500. So it's going to be a really, really tough stretch here for the Dolphins. So I have the Dolphins finishing 12 and five, Bills maybe 13 and four. I mean, it's going to come down to that game in Buffalo. But gosh, going to Buffalo and trying to win December is nearly impossible, especially if you're a team like Miami that's used to the Florida sunshine. Uh, but still, even if the Dolphins are in a wild card spot, I still think uh, that I'd be a little more concerned about them uh, than the Bills if I'm the Chiefs. You know, uh, Will, I, I'm sure you've already thought about this, and you've probably talked about it on your show too. I would love to see a playoff matchup of Tyreek coming back to Kansas City. Oh, it'd, be great. it'd be outstanding. It'd be outstanding. I mean, the AFC is so tough. And whichever team comes out of the AFC, I think is the team that wins the Super Bowl. I mean, you can make the I just mentioned those three best teams in the AFC. You can make you can make the argument. Those are the three best teams in football right now, um, the way those three teams are playing. So, yeah, it's going to be really tough for whoever comes out of the AFC. I mean, getting that number one seed, getting that buy is going to be really important. Yeah, it will be. Uh, well, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, so I want to ask you a couple things. Uh Big story around the legs, the return of uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, I know you were down there in Houston, saw all the uh, stuff that went on, how that ended there with him in uh, in Houston. What do you think about this? Uh, what kind of uh, welcoming is Deshaun going to get back to Houston this weekend, and what do you expect out of him to finish the year? It's going to be a very, very rude welcome back. Um, you know, obviously all those – um, you know, allegations against him will factor into that. So it'll be the main reason that he's getting that that um, not well-received welcome back uh, to Houston. And his downfall there was pretty crazy. I mean, he was a hero in the city. He was really the first really good quarterback that the Texans had in franchise history. So, uh, you know, it obviously ended pretty abruptly. I don't, like I said, I, it's going to be a rude welcome back. And I think the Texans win the football game. I know that sounds crazy with the way the Texans um, have been playing this year, but if I'm Houston, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a Texans fan, that's the one game I want to win going into the final stretch here. Um, I I mean, look, I get it. It was the preseason. He looked, he did not look good in that one preseason game. He came in, he looked really rusty. So if he looked rusty, then I expect there to be a lot of rust out of the gate. Um, you know, I'm sure by the end of the season, he's going to knock some of that rust off and might look like the Deshaun Watson that we saw uh, in Houston for so many years or not, you know, five years, however, however long it was. Uh, but yeah, I think he's going to struggle on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I think he will. I mean, he didn't look good in the preseason when we saw him play last. I mean, it's been a long time since we've pl- seen him play, uh, you know, a meaningful football game. So uh, that would certainly be interesting to uh, watch there. Uh, another thing, too. Uh, the uh, story that came out today about uh, from the Athletic that Tom Brady possibly could have a reunion in New England and trade off Mac Jones, and we've heard the rumblings about Aaron Rodgers' future. What do you think about uh, both these guys, uh, their futures, especially with these down years they've had? 
Yeah, I think that the Tom Bray story was taken out of context a little bit. I mean, it was more is mainly speculation. There's not a source reporting that Brady has any interest in that reunion or the Patriots. I think it makes some sense. I mean, if they're not completely sold on Mac Jones, which Mac was pretty close to losing his job to Zappy not too long ago. Uh, you know, they're they have a winning record. And for that reason, they might want to stick with Mac because they've won with him. Um but we'll see. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady – I think Tom Brady will play next year. I don't think he's going to be back in Tampa Bay. I think the San Francisco 49ers might be more of a realistic destination there. Maybe the Titans a team to watch. But I do not think the Patriots are even a top three most realistic team for Brady. I'd love to see it just for the story. I mean, it would be great to, to, to witness. In terms of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it, and I, I'm a Rodgers fan. I still think he can play. but. If I'm the Packers, I shut him down for the rest of the year, get him healthy, and see if Jordan Love, you know, can be your guy. Uh, he looked pretty good last week. Jordan Love did. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, well, before we go, we'll uh, we'll let you end uh, on a high note here. Uh, you, you were pretty happy uh, with your Astros finally uh, winning a, a championship that uh, didn't require cheating this time. Yes. Uh, my my rule is everyone has to shut up about 17 now because the Astros finally got it done. I mean, when when the Strohs went down 2-1, Jonesy, I think I was with you that night. And I was I was in full panic thinking this was going to be another third straight World Series that the Astros lost. So, yeah, I mean, they were they were it was nice to see the best team in baseball, you know, finally when I feel like the last couple of years, it's been just this team of destiny that, that wins it. And that's not bad. But it was nice to see the Astros be the best team all year and them win it all. Um, and then adding, I mean, they're adding. They, they got Jose Abreu, which is absolutely huge. Wilson Contreras is another name to watch. So uh, GM slash owner Jim Crane is, is doing a pretty good job. So it was it was a lot of fun uh, to be in the city when they won it and, and, to, and to celebrate the city after they won it. Oh, yeah, that was uh, certainly cool. Uh well, uh, also, uh, I'll mention this, too, before we run here. Uh, a little inside baseball here. You you and I tomorrow and our buddy Seeps, mm-hmm. we're going to the infamous coin bar tomorrow night. And if Are we going? Been, oh, we're definitely going. And if you've never been to Dallas, never been to the coin bar, how, how would you describe what we're about to experience here? It is a out-of-this-world experience. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, Jonesy, because I think we've had this conversation, but we had a coin bar at, at Syracuse University, and it was a Thursday night deal, or actually it was a yeah. Wednesday night deal, and you'd go and you'd flip a coin, and it was just one drink, right? It was just one drink. So I'm obviously caught off guard when we go to this coin bar in Dallas. Not only is it one drink free, it's the entire freaking round. I mean, you can order 10 drinks and have 10 drinks for $1. I mean, it is unreal. So, I mean, it's a great time whenever we go, man. I'm excited. Um, You know, we don't do it every week, but I kind of like that. It's like more like, what, a once a month thing? But but I I like that. It It makes it more special that way, I think. Yeah. And our goal is to not get kicked out. That's all we try to accomplish. Well, I did mention that I was caught a little bit off guard by the fact that it was uh, the whole round and not just one drink, and I couldn't start a tab. 
I was out of my comfort zone having dealt with the coin bar at Syracuse for over four years. And um, yeah, so I might have not left a big enough tip and gotten kicked out. I'll just say that. Willie drinks, Willie fins, Willie bets. He uh, he does it all. Uh, Will, where can people find you and see all your uh, great work, man? Yeah, for sure, bro. At Will Scott 44 on Twitter. If you're a Dolphins fan, I'm at Willie Fins on IG. And then uh, I am the host of Dolphins Today by Chat Sports on YouTube. And uh, you know, Jones, they also Celtics Today uh, by Chat Sports on YouTube. I feel like uh, I don't say that enough that I that I host Celtics Today. Yeah, just don't be like Udoka. <laughs> I, I can promise you that, 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 that that's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't be treating me that way at work. Will. I mean, come on. You don't have to worry about that, Jonesy. Okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad we cleared that up. Will Scott joining us here on the Jones report this week. Time for coach post football fix presented by O'Connor advisory group. You can find O'Connor advisory group online. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He is the host of the Coach Bodo's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday, and he joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? I am doing very, very well this week. How are you now? It has been an eventful week. It has been a great week. Even though I got in a wreck with my accountant on Tuesday, on Monday, I'm sorry. Monday, I hit my accountant's car. I did not tell you that story before we came online. No, I came on. No, I was actually it was my accountant's in the same building. She's upstairs. I was leaving, and we were parked next to each other, and my car scraped hers all up. Luckily, we got it all fixed and and taken care of. Didn't have to get insurance involved. It wasn't too bad. And then my accountant did a hell of a job with some personal stuff she's doing for me. And I, I got to tell you, I. I've had a pretty good week after that. I've, after hitting someone's car since that, <laughs> I've had a pretty good week. That's good. You said uh, we want to be your partner, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think I told Sarah, hey, you know, we're going to be your partner, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, we do a lot of work with Stone Creek. I'll, I'll give them a shout out. Stone Creek Accounting here in Lawrence, Kansas is the best. Sarah Dingus and her people do a wonderful job. We refer clients to them all the time. She refers clients to us as well occasionally. And I will say she's done a lot of work for me lately. I couldn't be more happy. So if you're a small business, give her a buzz. Go to OAGKS.com. You can ask me on there about it. And I'll give you the info there too. That's great. Bo, uh, let's go over the uh, pick slates uh, this week. It is championship week in college football and – I think the NFL side, we have the best games we've had all season long. Let's go ahead and break this down for you. Big 12 title game, TCU, Kansas State, TCU favored by two and a half in Arlington. I'll be at that game Saturday. Pac-12 title game, USC and Utah in Las Vegas, USC favored by three. SEC championship, Georgia and LSU in Atlanta, Georgia favored by 17 and a half. The ACC title game, Clemson and North Carolina in Charlotte. Clemson favored by seven and a half. The American Conference Championship, Tulane gets to host as the uh, team with a better record here. Uh, Tulane favored by three. In the NFL, Dolphins and 49ers, 49ers favored by four. Chiefs and Bengals, the Chiefs favored by two and a half. Titans and Eagles, the Eagles favored by five and a half. 
The Vikings and the Jets, the Vikings favored by three. The Commanders and the Giants, the Commanders favored by two and a half. So, Bo, let's start with the college football games here and break them down one by one. TCU and Kansas State. Bo, you saw the Kansas State team last week, and TCU's played tight all year long, but they had a convincing win last week against Iowa State. Uh, If if this game's close, TCU's probably – guaranteed to make the playoff uh they just basically can't get blown out here tcu by two and a half uh k-state's a good football team bold what what do you think of this matchup okay i like kansas state here um i'll tell you what i like about kansas state since um adrian martinez got hurt and will howard's coming at quarterback they have scored points the only game they lost was the baylor they didn't score a lot of points in that game but Every other game, when Will Howard's been the starting quarterback, this team has put up 30 points or more. They really dominated KU this past week. I mean, really took it to them on a cold field, on a cold night, and that offense was still electric. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think either way this is a blowout. It's a close game. I think it's so close that I'm going to take Kansas State plus the two and a half. I think it could go either way. I think TCU's the better team. But I think this is just razor thin, and I think that K-State's going to be ready for this game. I don't know if they'll play full spoiler, but this is going to be a late kick kind of game to me. Kind of what TCU had with Baylor two weeks ago. I'm going to take K-State on this game. I'm going to disagree. I'll go TCU here. TCU knows what's in front of them. They know the task they need to take advantage of. I'll go with the Horn Frogs to win and cover that two and a half margin, but wouldn't be shocked if K State keeps this close. I don't see this being more than a touchdown game for TCU. Pac-12 title game on Friday night: USC and Utah. USC favored by three. Bo, last time around it was Utah that beat USC. It's the only uh, loss on USC's resume. Now they get a chance to redeem it here. USC favored by three. What do you think? Okay, one. USC did lose to Utah in that first game on the last second. Utah scored on the very last possession of the game. Instead of trying to tie it at 42-42, they went for two to win it. I've got to respect the balls in doing that. However, USC is better now than they were five weeks ago. USC is going to win this game. They're going to cover the three. I still expect it to be sort of close. I mean, I think it's a touchdown game. Utah, I, I like the fact this is indoors. It's not at Utah. It's going to be in Las Vegas uh, in that dome, that new that new, that new arena there. If this were outdoors in cold weather, I would like Utah a little better. But I'm going to take USC. They're going to go, They're going to, go to the playoff now. And uh, I think their quarterback's going to the Heisman, too. I'm going to go with uh, with Utah. Uh, we'll disagree again here, Bo. I like Utah not only to cover at three. I think they pull off the upset here. I think Utah's a bad matchup for USC here. A more physical team that can go toe-to-toe with them offensively. Um, they've already done this before. They played spoiler to Oregon last year. Cam Rising, uh, I think, is a very good quarterback. I like Utah to win this uh, outright and uh, cover as an underdog at three. All right, uh, SEC title game, Georgia and LSU in Atlanta. Georgia favored by 17 and a half. Bo, um, 
Georgia's the best team in the country. I don't see after LSU got beat down last week to AM, I'm not counting on them to upset Georgia here. I like Georgia here big. How about you? I think LSU is not going to cover. There's not going to be not going to win this game. There's no chance LSU wins this game. And it's the, I'm the biggest LSU supporter there is. So disappointing how they played against AM. It's amazing that Jimbo Fisher at AM coaches one game a year. It's against LSU uh, every year, apparently. I guess it's that's how he keeps his job. Um, but 17 and a half is a lot of points. LSU keeps this closer than 17 and a half. 10, 13, 14, maybe. I'm taking my Tigers plus 17 and a half. I think Georgia wins, but LSU keeps it within 17 and a half. ACC title game, Clemson and North Carolina in Charlotte. Clemson favored by seven and a half. They're coming off the loss to South Carolina last week. Bo and I, we both picked South Carolina to cover, and they came through for us. Uh, what do we think here about Clemson favored by seven and a half uh, in this uh Neutral side game in uh, Charlotte here, Bo. Uh, I think the better quarterback uh, by far is Drake May here with North Carolina. I'm, I'm leaning towards North Carolina to cover. I don't know if they win. I don't know if they have the horses around Drake May to win it, but I think they keep within seven and a half here. Yeah, North Carolina has not played well the last two weeks. They lost to NC State in a game they should have won. They lost week before to Georgia Tech, who's going through all sorts of problems. But I don't even respect Clemson. I think they've been the biggest fraud in college football this entire season. Clemson literally hasn't beaten a good team all season. When they've played a good team, they've lost. I'm taking North Carolina. Give me the points. I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina wins the game. All right. So there you have it. Uh, One more for you. UCF, Tulane, American Conference Championship. Tulane favored by three. Bo, uh, Tulane, you're not picking against the Green Wave, are you here? You know I'm not picking against the Green Wave. Look, this is all worked out. Sunday night, it looked like Tulane's coach was leaving to go to Georgia Tech. Willie Fred said, no, I want to coach this game. I want to coach the bowl game. And for people that don't know, one year ago, Tulane was 2-10. and 10. They are currently 10-2. and two. And if they win this game, the winner of this game is going to the Cotton Bowl. Whether it's UCF or the, or the champion of the American Conference, it's going to be the highest-rated non-Power 5 team. They get that bowl bid. I think it's Tulane. I know UCF played incredible three weeks ago when these two teams played. They really play significantly well the first quarter. But after that first quarter, they were even money. I mean, it was back and forth, back and forth. Tulane has the best defense in the league. UCF has the best offense in the league. I like Tulane. The crowd's going to be amped up at Yulman Stadium. They've sold the thing out already. The Green Wave are going to get it done. They're going to go to the Cotton Bowl, and I just might go to that game. You never know. Give me two line. All right. Uh, so there you have it. That's uh, the college football picks for this week. Let's move on to the National Football League. Dolphins and 49ers. This game in San Francisco. Jimmy G's playing really good. 
Tua's playing at MVP level here. San Fran's favored by four. Uh, both these teams uh, have had solid seasons. Bo, what do you think here about this matchup? Okay, so these are the two teams that are like the darlings a little bit. The Dolphins are the team that's now the two seed in the AFC, and a lot of people like them. I do too. And I know in situations coming up over the next month, they're going to be favorite in some games against teams that you may not think they'll be favorites again against. But those games will be at Miami. But I have a feeling on the 49ers. Everyone's jumping on the 49ers are the maybe the best team in the NFC. They're not. They have a really good run game. They want to muddy up the game. They want to play defense. If you watch them this past week, the Saints defense totally took it to the 49ers. Because the Saints offense couldn't score literally anything. I'm taking the Dolphins plus four, but I think Tua is going to go have a great game. And I think that the stretching of the field, I expect big plays from the Dolphins. The 49ers are not set up to, to go into a track meet. I think this turns into a track meet. I the Dolphins win the game. I'm thinking the Dolphins. Uh, you know, before this week, you know, the last couple of days, rather, I would have said the Dolphins here, Bo, but the injury front, in particular, the offensive line, is not looking good for the Dolphins here. The Niners are at home. I think these are two really good teams. The Niners are playing hot. Um, and we know how physical the Niners are. For that, I'm going with the Niners to win and cover that four-point margin. I think that they you know, wear out the clock and uh, you know, beat them up front towards the end of this game here and that they cover that four-point margin. Chiefs and Bengals in Cincinnati. The Chiefs favored by two and a half. Bo, the Bengals have the toughest schedule of anybody in the league down the stretch. And uh, the Chiefs hold that one seed in the AFC here. Huge game for both these teams with the Chiefs favored two and a half. This is and this is a bigger game for the Bengals than it is for the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs could afford to lose this game and still keep the number one seed if they get some help and someone beats if the 49ers were to beat the Dolphins. It is hard for me to pick against Joe Burrow. You know this. Mm -hmm. There's no Jamar Chase. The Bengals have played better every week over the last month. They've gotten better and better, and better. The problem is the Chiefs offense can explode in a minute. If this gets into a shootout, the Bengals don't have a chance. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus the two and a half. I think this is close, but I think they win it, you know, a field goal, a field goal or, or under. Um, I, I I don't think two and a half is enough me to the Bengals. If that was at five, yeah, but I I just don't see the Bengals can't play fast enough if the Chiefs get fast. That's going to be an issue teams are going to have through this last month and a half. So I'm going to regretfully take the Chiefs. This game's been on the Chiefs' mind ever since January. Um, we know Patrick Mahomes, when he's got a chip on his shoulder, how much he steps up to the plate and he's ready to go. Um, on the road and everything here. Mahomes is playing at MVP level right now. Chiefs have won five in a row. 
I can't pick against the Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs cover two and a half. Titans and Eagles. Eagles favored by five and a half at home. Bo, does Tennessee have the offense to hang with Philly? No. They just don't. For the bank for the Titans to win this game, the Titans are going to have to run, 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 shorten the game. And the problem is the Eagles can play that game too. The problem is Eagles. the Titans don't have AJ Brown. He's on the other side. Yeah. The, the the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. They got the best player in football right now. The MVP of this league is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles right no, now. No, the MVP Hurts is the MVP of this league right now. No, no, no. That's Patrick Mahomes. No. Patrick Mahomes will be my second pick, but I'm telling you, Jalen Hurts is fucking fantastic. And what he has done this season shows that he is a franchise quarterback. We knew coming into this season, this team was going to be good if Jalen Hurts played well. He's played at an absolute MVP level. He's had a better season than everybody so far. His team's lost one game. He's been fantastic. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a two-way threat with his feet and with his arm. The Eagles are going to win this game. They're going to win it by seven or eight. Give me the Eagles. I like the Eagles here, too. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been the second-best quarterback in the league this year. Um, I think they're just going to run all over this this Titans team. They don't have the horses. And I think A.J. Brown's going to play with something, a chip on his shoulder tier, too. I, I what, like the what will Eagles be to win by 10. What I think will be interesting about this game is that these are the two teams. They're – the Eagles kind of want to be like the Titans, slug the game out, but the Eagles can hit the big play. The Titans right. can't hit. Yeah. And that's yeah. where, like, I there is nobody, there's nobody in the league, no team in the league right now that I would want to have to go play that Eagles team right now. Yeah. Vikings the best team in the league. Vikings and Jets. Vikings favored by three. It is in New York. Jets turned to Mike White last week. Benched Zach Wilson, even if Coach Bo said don't do it. They did it anyway. And Zach and we saw Mike White played great last week. Um, and what do you know? The the Jets played a lot better. The Jets are a playoff contender. The uh, Vikings uh, are having a really good season themselves here. Bo, this game in New York, what do you think uh, with uh, the Vikings' favorite three? This game is Minnesota. Oh, okay, Minnesota round. This um here's what I, so first off let's talk about the Jets for a second. Last week you brought up should Mike White play or should uh, Zach Wilson play? And I mentioned that I thought I would go with Zach Wilson. Now I saw everything that everybody else saw on Sunday, uh, Saturday and Sunday about how he's lost the team. I hadn't seen that. We talked about this last week. I did not. We did know. talk about that last week. We didn't talk about the players losing it. I mean, he they there was a couple of things. He's completely lost the locker room, from what I understand. And, and so, find, hearing a little more about that, I'm like, okay, I said I that last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, maybe I, <laughs> I wasn't paying close enough attention. I don't know, but I hearing more and more of kind of what was going on. I was like, okay, I ended up hammering the Jets when I bet on them because I also saw that they were playing last week. They played, um, um, oh shit, the Bears, the Bears. 
with no Justin Fields. And then there was talk that um, Nathan might Peterman Nathan might play. Peterman at quarterback. I was like, oh, if Peterman's playing, I'm betting against him. So, but the Jets played fantastic last week. Difference now is this is going to be a shootout. If this game is close, the Jets have a chance because every time Kirk Cousins gets a paycheck, what's he doing? He's stealing money. Stealing money. This guy can figure out a way to turn the ball over. I was watching the game Thanksgiving night, and I know he brought him down. And if you don't know what you're looking at, you might think Kirk Cousins had a good game on Thursday night. But he was awful. Awful, especially in the red zone. He made some throws in the red zone that were just inexcusable. I mean, he got bailed out on two different touchdowns by receivers. Absolutely horrible. But it's the Vikings at home. They're going to be going crazy with the skull chant and everything else. This is going to be nuts. I'm going to take the Vikings in three. This is another one of those games we could be pushing, though. Yeah. In three. We could be. Uh, I'm going with the Vikings here. Uh, I respect the call uh, to bench Zach Wilson last week. I like Mike White as backup quarterback. Um, you know, we. I remember when he had that five-touchdown game against the Colts, uh, what was that, a year or two ago? Mike White's yeah. not bad. He's an upgrade, but uh, Vikings, too much offense. I'll take the Vikings cover three. Commanders and Giants uh, bowl. Commanders have been on fire as of late. The Giants – Kind of come back down to earth. Um, what do we think here? The commanders favored by two and a half. Commandos have won six out of seven. People don't realize they've won. Now, look, I'm going to say this one. All the stuff going on behind the scenes with the commandos. I mean, all the stuff with everything going on with Dan Snyder, the investigations, everything else. They couldn't even get the Sean Taylor statue right. The Sean Taylor statue thing is a fiasco. Um, they have, you know, Carson Wentz gets hurt. Tyler, Taylor Heineken comes back in as quarterback. How good a job is Ron Rivera doing to keep this team on track and win six out of seven? It's going to be seven out of eight because they're going to beat the Giants. They're going to beat them by more than three. Give me the commandos. I'll go with the commies here, too. Um, yeah. Taylor Heineke looks good, and the Giants, uh, you know, correct the Giants roster is still not that great, they've been playing over their heads a bit here. Uh, commanders, are, I think, are, are a more talented team, and they're on a roll right now. I'll take the uh, the commies to cover two and a half. So, those are yeah. hey, our picks for this week. Yes, you saw the Sean Taylor thing, yes, how disgusting was that? A mannequin. They said it was going to be a statue of Sean Taylor. And it was a mannequin to basically sell some merch. A mannequin, and not even a good mannequin. He had Reebok, Adidas, and Nikes on. I, I, clueless. (laughs) This team is clueless. Ron Rivera is doing such a great job on the field with his team. It's amazing because nobody above him knows anything about what they're doing. I mean, yeah. it's awful. 
Uh, we're going to talk about this at length on my podcast on Friday because uh, I'm just insulted. And if you're Sean Taylor's family, they should absolutely never do anything with the Snyder family ever again. Yeah. Back to the way they disrespected Sean Taylor's legacy last year with the with the with the painting the the, the sideline piece and then uh Jackson Mahomes is running around on top of it. Then you say you're gonna release a statue and it's a goddamn mannequin. And not even a good one, it's a clear mannequin. It's ridiculous. And, and this is a guy that really in Sean Taylor. The tragedy of his death and what all happened there. He died for his act. family. I, yes. And and this is a guy that, I mean, universally respected in the league. Everyone respected Sean Taylor. This franchise is clueless. And it goes up to the top to that guy, Daniel Snyder. He shouldn't be allowed to own his team anymore. Yeah. Plain and simple. Oh. They're for sale. There's something going to change here soon. But. Yeah, someone's someone better give me give me six. Will someone loan me six billion dollars? Please, I'll buy that team. Hell, you can come work for me. You'll be my PR guy. That's it. That's all I'm going to be. Well, you be my play by play guy too. I want to be GM. Oh no, I get to be my own GM. Oh, okay, <laughs> Jerry Jones. Hey, I would do a better job than Jerry Jones could dream of doing. I'm not going to make myself head coach, though. I can't own the team. Oh, day. wow. They're real, real brave of you there, yeah. That's, you know, I I know who had to hire on that. I got I got contacts. Okay. 1-800-CONTACTS.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Deshaun coming back yeah. this week. Um, we have to? Yeah, we do. I know you just love talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, the, uh, twofold on this. Uh, yeah. On the football front, the guy hasn't played – a live, meaningful football game in two years. I imagine he's going to look pretty rusty. I don't – with where the the Browns are at, the playoff race and all that, I don't expect Deshaun to come in and just save and salvage their season by any stretch. Um, in fact, Jacoby Brissett actually didn't even play that bad. Uh, Jacoby probably earned himself some money with that opportunity um, of what he did filling in for Deshaun Watson. Now, the other side of it um, – this is obviously going to be a bad look for the league and, you know, bringing him back to Houston where this all went down. His accusers have rented out a suite and are going to be at the game. I mean, all of this is just a a bad situation and it's not going away, Bo. No, and, and this is exactly what – the Browns did not want. They did. They wanted this thing to be swept under the rug and be done with it by now. And it's not. It's actually getting worse. I mean, it's kind of a genius move by the attorney who's you know working with these ladies to to get a suite and to be there because the cameras will go in that suite. They're gonna have. It's gonna be interesting to see how the league lets CBS talk about this. This is like when Trump brought uh, Bill Clinton's accusers to the debate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. I um I don't know. I, I, I hate talking about Deshaun Watson. Let's talk about the football piece though. Okay. You're right. He hadn't played in two seasons. Can't think he's gonna be crisp out there on the field. Hadn't had any contact in two years. Can't think he's gonna play especially well. Um 
but they are playing the Texans this week, who are playing really bad. I mean, this is a one nine and one team. Their best player is a rookie who's hurt right now as well. I I just I look at the Texans and I go, well, if you're gonna have to start against somebody, it might as well be them. Um, but yeah, it's a rough deal all around. I look at this and I go, well, for Watson, as far as who he's playing, yeah, you don't like playing a game in Houston, but at least you're playing the Texans. We know that Deshaun Watson, if he plays as well as he's capable of playing, is a franchise quarterback. He is a capable enough quarterback on a good team to be a consistent winner. Sure. I mean, thus they thus nobody would have put up with this shit otherwise. Let's be honest. I mean, nobody would have. Right. But if you're if you're Cleveland and you're desperate and you haven't had a quarterback since Bernie Kosar, you go, well, we're gonna go ahead and make this deal. Um, you know, it's not a terrible deal for the Browns to get this dynamic of a player back, but their season is over. They're gonna have to win six in a row to even sniff a playoff spot. They're not gonna get it that way. I mean, you're not going to finish nine and eight in the AFC and get in. It's not going to happen. And that would mean them winning six in a row. So that's not going to happen either. So I guess if you're you go ahead and play him since you can and let him get let him get hit a few times and let this thing go. And you can put, you know, throw the ball in the air and let's let's play it. I don't like it, is my big thing. But man, if he if he gets in shape and he's as good as he has been in the past. He's a dynamic quarterback on the field, fortunately. Yeah. And what what blows my mind is, you know, the, the NFL has kept as quiet as possible about Sean Watson, right? Uh, they have you're, – you're not seeing ads on CBS or Fox. I don't even know what channel the game's on. Just Sean Watson's return, you know? I mean, they're, yeah. not, they're not marketing this. It's not – Something that they're throwing out there. This is not a big deal for them in that sense. They're keeping this completely quiet that he's coming back. And, you know, you're you're not seeing like the Me Too crowd either, uh, you know, fighting back either about Deshaun Watson or we're, we're, I mean, I'm not calling for outrage here, but at the same time, I am kind of saying, where is the outrage? Well, I think we're all tired of it. You know, you 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 were saying as we started that, you know, I know you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm tired of it myself. I think that most of us are tired of the Deshaun Watson piece. And because of that, well, that's why we haven't seen the outrage in the last few weeks. He's also not been playing, and we've been watching football. Notice the, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about this. We said, once we get into the season, we're not going to talk about Deshaun Watson. It's not even going to be a thing until he comes back. Now, if they were in the playoff race, it'd be different. I do think that would be a little different. But this game doesn't matter. It's a team that is currently four and seven playing a team that's one, nine, and one. Right. I mean, after the next three or four weeks, this Brown team is going to have nine to 10 losses. They're not going to be able to sniff a playoff spot. Right. So to them, they're thinking, well, we're just going to get this out of the way. Yeah. Take the hits now and get it done. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you and I were kind of talking before we uh, went on. The other guy that I know you love just talking about, you yeah. know, uh, if it's not Deshaun, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers, uh, their playoff hopes seem to be done, you know, at this point and everything. Um, with all that being said, and, and now going forward, we know he's, you know, older in his career and the way things have worked out. Um, do you see a scenario where the Packers shut Rodgers down and see what they have in Jordan Love? Is, is that something you think Rodgers is willing to accept too? I saw a thing today that Rodgers said he was open to the idea. I do think it's what the Packers ought to do. The Packers are out of it. The Packers are sitting where the Browns are sitting at, basically. you got to win every game to have a chance to get in. Uh, let me look at this again. I want to make sure I'm right on this. I don't want to say their record and be wrong. But if I remember correctly, they are sitting at – the Packers are at four and eight. So at five games to go, they would have to win all five to go nine and eight. And that's still not going to be enough to get in the playoffs. Okay. So you have Rodgers with a broken thumb – and now a rib injury. That that rib injury looked painful on Sunday. All right. He got he took that he took that hit, and you could see every time he threw the football after that, it was killing him. I think he's also what thirty eight. Yeah. You've got to sit the thirty eight year old guy with a broken thumb and bad ribs, even if he's a future Hall of Famer, when you've got no chance to get into the to the playoffs. And you've only got Jordan Love for one more year. You've got to make a decision about him this offseason. Now, the little bit we saw of Jordan Love in that game, really good. And we've seen that glimpse before. But we've seen the polar opposite before, too. Right. So if I was the Packers, I would sit Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if that means he's not my quarterback next year because I know he's under contract. And they're going to have a hard time trying to move him this offseason if they want to move him. But they got five games here where they could find out if Jordan Love is the next quarterback. And it yeah. helps you plan with a really young team. It helps you plan what you're doing moving forward. The smart thing to me is to get on the same page and get Rodgers on the page and say, look, man, you're hurt. You're going to make yourself worse. We're going to sit you. We don't want you getting hit. And we will work on what we need to do for 2023, whether it's you being here or somewhere else. We'll make yeah. it happen. Uh, one more thing, NFL note, then we'll move on to college football. Uh, report from The Athletic came out today that uh, that Brady and Belichick could be open to a reunion, probably would mean moving Matt Patricia off as OC, maybe bringing in like a Bill O'Brien type to be OC. A lot of moving parts. Patriots do have a ton of cap space next year. Bucks don't have a ton of cap space next year. Um, it still seems like a long shot, the idea of him coming home to New England, but uh, no Giselle anymore. Maybe he wants to come back to New England. But even with that said, uh, Bo, where do you think Tom Brady goes next year? Is he in the Fox booth? Is he back in Tampa Bay? Is he playing for San Fran, New England? Where do you think the future holds for Tom Brady in 2023? I think Tom Brady's in the Fox booth next year. I do. I don't think I don't think he wants. I don't think he can. I think even he realizes how bad he's playing. And I know he has said he wants to play till he's 50 or or whatever. Look, 
he just isn't able to. He is a problem now. It's a bad, it's a terrible idea to take him back to New England. And there's no way Bill Belichick will sign off on that. No way. He's bringing in a 45-year-old quarterback. I mean, he he can figure out what to do with Mac Jones first. Frankly, we've talked a lot about Mac Jones last few weeks. It seems the Patriots have figured out some things with Mac Jones. You know, you put him in a shotgun, everything's short passes and runs, and let him play that game. He can do that game. What he can't do is play action and a lot of stuff way down the field. But with Brady, the guy has no arm left. I mean, he's he can't throw the ball nearly as well as he used to. And he's never had a strong arm. Let's be blunt. Right. He's never had a strong, accurate arm. He's been a guy who got the ball out of his hands quickly, maybe quicker than anybody else. I mean, he and Dan Marino are the two guys I think of when I think of that, of that, of that trait. But what I I don't see Brady playing next year. I think this year was a little bit of the now we learn more about the whole him and Giselle thing. I think there was some of that involved. I think there was some of it. He wasn't getting to have the narrative he wanted at the end of the year. He was trying to run it back last year. They didn't get to the Super Bowl. You know, he didn't like that everybody, somebody else broke the idea of him retiring before he could say anything. So I do think there was a little bit of him saying, well, um, I want to control that narrative. Right. Um, I do think that's a part of it. But I think that Father Time has Brady in the corner and is just hitting him with body blows right now. And I think even Tom Brady knows it. That he is one of the greatest of all time. He's had more longevity than anybody. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't want to say he's the greatest quarterback ever, and, and I'm one of those that says, hey, there's, there's spurts where he's not. But, but what I can say is no one's had his longevity. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And there, there's no argument there. But what I can say is he is he's going to lose to Father Time. He's losing now. He was losing last season during a lot of the season. We just they just kept winning games and his numbers were outstanding. But they really weren't playing well, and he wasn't playing necessarily well. This year he's playing terrible. I mean, there's there's 20 quarterbacks I take ahead of Tom Brady right now. 14 he's, touchdowns, two picks is terrible. Has he look at the games and watch him play? The guy can't throw the football anymore. Doesn't throw the ball well. What's his completion percentage? Where is he ranking there? Uh, completion percentage is 66.2. Okay, that's respectable. How high is that? Probably in the top 10? Uh, probably so, yeah. QB rating, okay. uh, passer rating 92.4. And that's respectable. The issue is if you look, he's made that team one-dimensional. They don't run the football. They don't win any game. The I don't games blame they him for them because they run the football. I don't blame him though for them not being able to run the football. Though that O line is, I do. I think Brady. I think he audibles. I think he audibles out of run plays all the time. I do. I've been watching. I watch a lot of it. I'm telling you, I think he audibles out of run plays all the time, thinking that he can do something that the back can't do. Yeah, I I I think it's more on the O line. The O line's been awful. It has not been as good as last, last year's O-line was better. They were healthier last year, too. 
Right. And they had another injury this past week. But I, I don't care if you had the Eagles front line in front of him next season. I wouldn't want him on my team. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's just – he's too old. But the guy's only a year younger than I am. Right. I mean, Father Time catches you. Even Tom Brady, he's up against the ropes. And uh, if you're not – if you're if you haven't watched it, I mean, watch it closely. Watch how he plays. The numbers do lie at times. Like I said, if you were watching the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving night, you'd think Kirk Cousins played great. He played like shit. Yeah. I mean, like, I was watching closely, obviously, that Seahawks-Bucks game a couple weeks ago, and he was in control of that game. Yes, that might be one of the best games he's played all season. But he's still not. Like, that was the thing that stood out to me watching him that I can't point to with almost any other quarterback besides maybe Patrick Mahomes, the control of the game he had. Oh, I I think there's a few that are better at it now than he is. I mean, look, I like he, he played dictated, bad last week. He dictated he played the bad last week of he that bad Seattle Rams game. And they won that game. What's that? He dictated the pace of that Seattle game. Yeah. Well, and you're going to see, like, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago, people are going to say that Rams game. Well, they won. He had the great possession at the end. He was awful. For 58 minutes of that game. But he was good for the last two. Yeah. And they won the game. But he he couldn't control the pace against the Ravens, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Packers. And we know how bad the Packers are now. Right. You know, the Chiefs, they hit one of his best games against the Chiefs. And again, it was a shootout that he shouldn't have been in. Right. He played bad week one against the Cowboys. Just the Cowboys couldn't score any points. Yeah, I see what you I mean. Think I, I think you're being a little well. hard on Brady, though. Yeah. I, I may be hard on Brady, but damn it, he's not to have this conversation of, well, where is he going to be next year, everything else. If that's the expectation of, well, he might go back to New England. He might go to San Francisco. He might go, you know, no, he should go to the Fox booth. And just be done with playing football. Uh, moving on. College football. Let's uh, let's go there. Um, so based on your picks, it sounds like you think the top four is going to stay the same. The one question based on your picks, if TCU, let's say, does fall to K-State, is there any scenario where Ohio State gets in over K-State in the playoff, or do you think it's going to be the same four no matter what the outcomes are this week? I, I think for TCU, they need to win. They win, you're in. All four win, you're in, plain and simple. Right. Um, Georgia's going to win. Michigan's going to win. They're huge favorites, I and mean, they're 16- and 17-point favorites. If Purdue beat Michigan, I would just be shocked. I mean, literally, I would be like just glass runoff over shocked crazy if Purdue even plays that game close in the second half. Uh, Michigan's run game is just too good. USC, if loses, they're not in because the two-loss thing. Ohio State would jump into their spot. So we still have some, some leeway there. If TCU loses to K-State, 
and that game is high scoring and close, I think TCU still gets in. I think Ohio State could could swoop in again if USC loses. If TCU gets beat by more than a touchdown, let's call it. Or if you just watch that game and you go, yeah, maybe TCU scores one late, but K-State had that thing in hand most of the game, then I think Ohio State can scoot it, scoop in there. But what hurts Ohio State is how poorly they played in the second half of that game. Wow. You know, we talked about it last week. I kind of liked Michigan to keep that game close, and I thought it was because of that run game. Man, Ohio State had no answer for that run game late. I mean, it just – they were trying anything they could to get a big play offensively to kind of st- to bring it back. I think Ohio State, one through 60, is a better team than Michigan. At least if you look at the players. Right. But I don't know. They, they can't play that style of game with Michigan. Um, I do think it's going to pretty much run the gambit of these four are going to be the four. I think TCU keeps that game close for K-State. I think I do think they win. You know, I said I like K-State to keep the game close, but I think TCU is going to win in a close, close game. It's a field goal one way or the other. If it's a field goal one way or the other, TCU's getting in. I don't think you could take that from them. They'll be the champion of the conference. The playoff committee has said that was important. If they win, they're the champ. Well, if they win, they're the champion. But if they lose, you know, them and Ohio State can both say, well, we weren't the champ, but we're the next best team. I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the committee does. TCU's room for error, though, is do not lose big. Right. Do not lose by 7 to 10 or more. If you lose by 10 or more, TCU's out. Ohio State gets in. Well, and, you know, the thing you could point to, too, is the argument would be Ohio State's only losses to Michigan. Michigan State's would be – or TCU's would be the K-State. I mean, I mean, it's – you could point to – you could say, sure, well, TCU has more top 25 wins or all this whatever – the committee has a brand bias. They are looking for a reason to put Ohio State in. And oh, if yeah. you lose by 10 or more, you are giving them that reason. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I also agree that if USC doesn't win, it's Ohio State. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Ohio not State Alabama. sitting there going, hey, our one loss is to Michigan. And it was a, a shitty day, and we didn't play well in the second half. We know how good we are. We were the number two team in the country. Most of the season. Yeah. So that room for error for them is there. I agree with you. I think that the, yeah, I don't think the brand of the college, the college football playoff wants TCU. Because no. again, you, they would much rather have a Georgia Ohio state game. Going to draw a lot of eyes everywhere. than Georgia versus TCU. Or TCU against Michigan with Georgia playing USC. Yeah, you know they they want to avoid the bigger they if they're going to have they want the four names. If the if the committee had their way, it would be Georgia, it would then be Michigan, it would be USC at three, and Ohio State at four. 
so that you could avoid an Ohio State-Michigan matchup to a national championship. Right. If Ohio State could beat Georgia and Michigan and you, Michigan-USC would be a battle of polar opposites. Right. I'd actually see that game. I'd, and I really, really, I'm convinced now more than ever that I really think Michigan could match up with Georgia. Yeah. That run game is really good. I was so impressed with what they did to Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I mean, just they were breaking off runs for 50 yards, 60 yards. They had a 65 and 75-yard runs in the fourth quarter for touchdowns. Right. That was just the offensive line that gets stronger and stronger the whole game. If anyone can match up with Georgia, and I think Georgia's the best team, I'd love to see it be Michigan. That would be a fun, fun game. Seed-wise, um, I think it'll probably be the same four as is in the order they're in now. Probably the so. only change I see potentially, if Georgia plays sloppy and Michigan just puts the shellacking on Purdue, I could see them flopping potentially. But that's the only change I, I potentially could see. I still think that's a reach, but I wouldn't. that I would be too. the only thing I could see changing. It would have to be that Michigan wins by 30. And Georgia they might wins late something. by seven, you know, or three. Right. Something like right. that. Because I think that there's still some respect on that. Okay. LSU on any given day could go give Georgia a run. You know, they're not going to beat them, but they could give them a run, most likely. You just never know. Right. Um, speaking of the uh, playoff, uh, it's official that the expansion is going to take place in uh, the 2024 season. That's not next year, but the year following uh, with yeah. the Rose Bowl signing off and giving up their exclusive date uh, and time uh, status, typically of you know 5 p.m. Eastern time on New Year's Day. And so uh, with that being said, Bo, um, the, the thing I like about this, you, we knew we were getting 12 teams. It was just a matter of the timeline. And the playoff actually uh, delivered a blow to the Rose Bowl. They got the Rose Bowl to buy in. I mean, yeah. finally, it's about time. I mean, this feels like such a step in the right direction. The Rose Bowl has gotten the way of so many things over the years. And this feels like the final hurdle has been, you know, that finally crossed. Yeah, it does. And it's like, okay, well, now we're here. Let's just get it done. You know, you and I were talking before we reported, and I think that 12 is too many teams. But, like, you you brought up the great point about it, saying that, look, that's more games, that's more money, and it's absolutely true. I just like the idea better of give me eight. I mean, we're going to water it down a little bit at 12. But sure. at the same time, it's going to be fun. You say water gonna, it down. Here's something worth mentioning, though. Let's let's look at this week, okay? Of the six biggest conference championship games, the Power Five plus the American Bowl, okay, in a 12-team playoff, all six of those games would be his spot in the playoff on the line. Yeah, yeah. Championship yeah, week would still matter. Yes, championship week. Yeah, you'd have those to steal those last two weeks of the year. The Rivalry week and championship week still matter. In fact, um, you could even argue that it would matter more in this than it does this year. 
you will hear that, yeah. And I think that what you'll also hear is from a lot of people, especially in the traditional um, SEC and Big Ten markets, the ones who are the second tier, they're not going to like it. They're going to say, well, we might be able to get in, but our games during the year aren't going to mean as much. Right. I would argue the opposite. I would say, look, if you're that second-tier team, if you're Ole Miss, if you're Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, now you know you've got some wiggle room. Win your division. Win your division, and you're going to have a chance to get in. Right. I mean, like right now in the Big Ten, Purdue would have a chance to get in the playoffs. Right. You know what you did? You won your division. Go beat Michigan, and you're in. That's not going to happen right now. I mean, even if they win this week, they're not going to get the playoff. Right. They would get in next year's playoff because they'd be the Big Ten champion. LSU's loss to Texas A&M last week wouldn't mean a thing if LSU beat Georgia this week in the next system. Now, one thing I will say, like, you know, the, the NCAA signed off where you don't have to add divisions anymore. I yeah. would expect in the Pac-12 and Big 12 already, you know, adjusted accordingly. The Big 12 was already that way, but the Pac-12 eliminated divisions altogether. Yeah. I would think that these other conferences, Bo, are probably going to follow suit and eliminate divisions because they want to guarantee that one of their playoff teams, their conference champ, is going to be one of their top two teams in their league. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I I had heard that the SEC was considering getting rid of those anyway with the bringing in the two new teams in a couple of years. They're having all sorts of problems to figure out how two divisions would work geographically and right. keep a lot of their traditional matchups. So it would it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be really hard as these 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 two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, expand to so many teams. Um, what's going to be difficult then is going to be equity in the football schedule. Yeah. You're going to have teams in the Big Ten that are going to bitch if they have to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in the same year. People are going to bitch in the SEC if they have to play Alabama, Georgia, LSU in the same year. Right Right. now you don't have to do that. No one does. Right. So – that was that's gonna be that's gonna be a complaint. It's a viable complaint as well. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, but it that's so few people who are gonna have to argue about that that I really don't think you've changed what you're doing overall because of that small argument. Yeah. That's gonna be what one or two teams a year are gonna complain about that. I don't give a shit if Missouri has to play LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. They weren't gonna win those three games anyway. Right. That's who's uh, gonna bitch them. Last thing, we'll, uh, we'll end on this. Uh, coaching carousel in full swing. Already some big hires made. Matt Rule to Nebraska, Hugh Free uh, to Auburn. Waiting to see where Deion Sanders ends up. What do you make of the changes we've seen so far? Okay, let's take them one at a time here. Matt Rule, I think it's a good hire. Matt Rule has shown he can build the program. What he did at Baylor was exceptional. Um, he left a full cupboard and they did and where they started where he started that program and ended that program was a very good job. It's what got him a job at Carolina. He's going to go to Nebraska. He's going to do well. 
And that doesn't mean that Nebraska is going to turn into Ohio State or Michigan. I'm not saying that. But I think Matt Rule's a good hire for Nebraska. For Auburn, <laughs> Hugh Freeze is on brand. Very. He this and Bruce Pearl are going to be buddies. I mean, this is this is okay. So this is the guy who Old Miss. Look, he was good at Old Miss. Yes, he cheated a lot. That's on brand in the SEC. It's on brand for Auburn. And then he had the cell phone issue, if we want to call it that. You know, using yeah. a state phone to call escort services. Uh, he gets fired. At Old Miss, there also some NCAA issues, which we've already talked about cheating. He goes to Liberty, where they don't care about any of that stuff. And they 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 say they're holier than thou, but really, I can point you in some directions. Take a look at that those ideas. Um, he went to Liberty because he can clean up his character. That was what it was. Right. That was the rehab job. Yes, and he wanted to go back to the SEC. Auburn job came open. They're, they're religious fanatics there too, believe it or not. And they're going to take the guy from Liberty. Like it's it's a good hire. It's an on-brand hire. And it's probably going to end badly. Oh, it's definitely going to end badly. But they're going to the win thing. a lot and of football I'm not, games. Not to, I'm not trying to insult Hugh Freeze when I say it's going to end badly. It don't matter who Auburn hires. It's going to end badly. Right. Oscar could hire Vince Lombardi. It's going to end poorly. Oh, you're you're taking that job knowing that even if you win a national title, you will get fired at some point. You will get fired. Yes. And I think that's in the end why Dion didn't push for that job. Because there would have been no better hire Auburn could have made than Deion Sanders. Because he would have gotten kids there too. And Auburn wants to be Alabama. So that's the problem. See, that in college football, everyone's trying to be as good as their biggest rival. Yeah. So if you're Nebraska, you want to be, well, back in the day, you wanted to be Oklahoma. You know, now who is their biggest rival? Well, they're looking up at Michigan and Ohio State. And then their biggest geographic rival is Iowa. And yeah. it's like, well, we're not even Iowa. Right. Matt Rule will make them better, make them as good as I am. I don't know that he gets them to the next level above that, but it's it's competitive with who they want to be competitive with. Right. Auburn, their biggest rival is Alabama. It's such a negative place because you can't be Alabama. Nobody yeah. can. You have it's because of Saban. But right. it doesn't matter if they hired if they hired Vince Lombardi, it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah, because eventually it's going to go bad because they're never going to be as good as Saban's Alabama program. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who they hire, you know. And so that's what I think a lot of teams have got to look at when they look at who they're hiring. You know, I'm an LSU guy. They hired they fired Ed Ogeron last year, and they said we want to be Alabama, and they didn't say. Let's go get the hot coach. Let's go get the biggest name possible. They went and hired Brian Kelly. Right. That's on brand for what they want to do. And that's what you're going to see with these coaching kids. The carousel's just start. It's right. going to go. And it's going to go crazy in the next few months, next couple of months. And we uh, still got three or four jobs open. And, and Dion's out there. 
And he's right. going to choose one of them. Luke Fickle taking the Wisconsin job. Um, I felt like that that was it was a great hire for Wisconsin. Yes. But for Fickle, Cincinnati was going to pay him whatever it took. I mean, yeah. he chose to leave not because of money, but he to- chose for the job. I thought Cincinnati has a real opening in this Big 12, in this new playoff system with OU and Texas leaving. And yep. he stepped out the door here. Wisconsin, you're already dealing with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and all that. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I felt like if Fickle was going to leave, he could have done better than Wisconsin. Well, again, this is Wisconsin wanting to be Michigan and Ohio State. So you look at the biggest they name. Never will be. They could they hire. Will. They could hire Nick Saban, and they never would. Same, be. I agree, hundred percent. But Luke Fickle is the one guy available. That's a big name. He was the big hire. There is nobody that's going to hire somebody better than what Wisconsin just did. Right. I mean, there's just nobody available like that right now. Right. I mean, and that's what Wisconsin wants. Wisconsin wants to be in that group. They want to be in that group that is right now Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State right below. They think they're there, and they think that this is the guy to get them there consistently. I do agree with what you're saying. If you're Luke Fickle, why would you want to deal with that when, yeah, you're going at Cincinnati, who you got lots of support from. That school wants to be good. That athletic program wants to spend money. They've got money. They've given him support. They can, they can pay him. You're and in you're great going to recruiting the Big 12 with no, yeah, you're going to Big 12 with two of the biggest dogs leaving. You got a chance to go in there and be the big dog quickly. So I do see your point. I don't know how much the money is a factor. I know it's a bigger name for certain, but it's why I think Cincinnati is a really good situation for somebody to come into as well. That's going to be a really good job. And if they do it right, they're going to get a really good coach in that spot. Yeah, I think so. He's and, coach and I hope it's I hope it's Deion Sanders. I just pray. Come on, wouldn't you like to see Dion in the Big 12? Big 12 media days would be incredible. Oh, off the chain. I mean, Dion, prime time? Oh, give me prime in the Big 12. This is what the Big 12, the Big 12 conference should go to Cincinnati and say, if you don't hire prime, you can't go. Um. Brett Yormark said he wanted to make the Big 12 younger and cooler and hipper. There's your guy. I mean, this someone's going to – look, and I know it's a joke. People think that he's just flashy. They they think that if – if you think Deion Sanders is just the prime time, the, the football player, player he was at Florida State and with the Cowboys and the Falcons, that is not who that guy is. That's a character. Who he is is a damn – good football coach who really knows the game and understands how to get young people to play it. Yeah. Whoever gets that guy is getting an exceptional coach and a guy who's already committed to it. Look, he coached the last two seasons in Jackson, Mississippi. This guy could have gotten other jobs. And he's he put together a coaching. top 50 recruiting class in Jackson, Mississippi at an FCS uh-huh. school. Yes. This guy He's could bring be, players with him wherever he goes. Yes, and he could not just get 
it, it, what I mean, like he could have gotten jobs. It isn't just he could have got coaching jobs. This guy could be working for any network at the NFL level. This guy could be the biggest name on ESPN if he wanted to be. He's and he knows the game. This guy is the perfect college football coach. Let me add this, this one more point, and then we'll get we'll wrap up. Um, Florida State and Mike Norvell have not been a good marriage. Um. You know, they improved this year, but they're still not, I wouldn't even say good. Um, I understand Florida State's had their problems financially, and, you know, they, they've been behind and all that. But this is your boy right here. I mean, this is the guy, one of the hottest names out there. Why is Florida State not moving mountains to move on from Mike Norvell and go bring Deion home right now? I think it has to do with the idea of this. When you hire them, you got to fire them eventually. And and I mean this at every level and at every situation. It's the same as how you, you see certain players in certain situations in different sports who, where they'd be a really great coach, especially here, or they can go back to their college alma mater and be a coach. Eventually, you got to part ways with good or bad. It's going to happen. And what happens to that marriage? You know, whether that's Dion in Florida State, you know, as a baseball fan, think of it this way in Kansas City, George Brett's never been the manager of the Royals. If he wanted to, he could be. And it didn't like anybody saying anything negative about it, but eventually it wouldn't work. Eventually, you can come home, but eventually, you, it's not going but to. But are you desperate at Florida State right now? I, I maybe. I, I don't know how. I don't know what's going on with the people who have the money there. I, mean, I, I feel like it's a it's a sign that they're just content. They're content with sucking. It may be. I just know that if I'm them, I mean, good. If I had to, if all my had my druthers from Florida State, yeah, I want Dion. Like I said, I've just jumped on the soapbox and said how much I think he is the perfect coach for NIL times in college football. Well, boy, eventually that divorce happens. And that ain't going to be pretty. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's an issue. And I get it why both sides may not want to make that marriage. Well, he's made it known he'd love to be the head coach of Florida State in the past. Yeah. And, and I think that he, I think he'd be a fantastic coach there. And I think that may be part of it. I also think they paid a lot of money in the last few years for coaches that have come and gone and come and gone, and they've gotten it wrong a couple times. And they just may be short on the cash right now. Yeah. I mean, Florida State's not Miami, and it's not Florida. Right. It's Florida State, and there's a difference in those, those, those three schools. Yeah. He's Coach Bolton. Uh Check him out. Coach Bolton knows podcast, Counter Advisor Group, OHGCast.com, Counter Advisor Group.com. Bolton. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tyler. You have a great week. Take care, bud. Final segment before we go. It's our top four story of the week where we tell you something ridiculous happening in the world. And this time we shall go to the inbox with Coach Bo here in for Tom. You know what that means. It's time for Coach Bo's advice line where uh, the the senior, uh, the elder statesman, rather, of this show provides his uh his advice and tries to help the folks out there and uh bo 
how, how are you feeling? You said you were having a great week. Or are you positive enough to to want to help the people out, or are you you're going to come off as like a an angry elf here? I am happy to help this week. I have had a great week so far. I'm in. Let's help the people. We want to be your partner. Yes. We want to be. Yeah. Hey, let's let's help the people. It's it's the holiday season. You know, right. if you didn't have a great Thanksgiving, let's help you out. Let's have a great holidays and a great December as we get into December. All right. Well, here's the first one from Carla. This is what Carla writes. Okay. Um, the headline reads, my neighbors get too affectionate when they are drunk, and it makes my husband and I uncomfortable. Hey, guys, and good morning. My name is Carla. I'm a longtime fan of the show and wanted to get your opinion on my crazy neighbors. So my husband and I moved into our house in August and became friends with the couple in the house next to us. They have four kids and have none, and we have none yet. This couple's a lot of fun. We started hanging out with them socially almost immediately after moving in. One thing that has changed, though, is we've noticed the drunker they get, the most, the more handsy they get with each other. One night we went to a local bar crawl, and by the third bar, they were practically getting it on at the bar. I think they went to the bathroom to do it, but I don't have concrete proof. I feel like they, the more comfortable they get with us, the more affectionate they get in front of us. My husband is starting to wonder if they're swingers, but they've never flirted with us at all. We're just not comfortable with them when they get so touchy-feely in public. It's gotten to the point I don't want to go out with him anymore, but don't know what to say to them. Any suggestions on how I can fix this situation? Signed, Carl. Bo, your thoughts? Okay. Look, they have four children. All right, I'm, I'm gonna help these people out, but they got four kids. Gotta do some math here, and they're all at home. Mama and Daddy don't get a lot of chance to be alone. So if you have a couple of drinks, what's gonna happen? Mom's gonna get a little excited. Dad's certainly gonna get a little excited. Don't be a fucking prude. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> and they're at home with four kids. I've only got one kid, and I know how that affected my love life for a long time. So what I'm telling you is, let it go. What happens between a man and a woman in, in their life, in their relationship is their business. They're not flirting with you or trying to bring you into some bullshit. Don't be part of it. And if you feel uncomfortable, then just don't be with them. Or don't, don't, them don't go with them to something that, if you went to a bar crawl, you're complaining because you went to a bar crawl with them and you know they get handsy with one another when they drink. If you knew that already, and then you went to a bar crawl with them, what did you think was going to happen? Right? I mean, come on. you got to think with your brain here. you got to make some assumptions, and you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to have to put up with this. If you don't want to do that, if you want to hang out with these people but not in that situation, ask them to go to dinner. Ask to go to a movie. Go to... Get coffee. There's lots of things you can do that you can still be social and not be alcohol involved. Right. Boom. Problem solved. And if that's a problem after that, don't be approved. Leave them alone. This seems like the easiest solution here. You don't have to hang out with these people. No, I just... I. Or go to dinner. If they're, if, if they're great people and you love them, you just don't like them when they drink. Look, we all got that one friend we don't like when they drink. 
I have been the friend you don't want to like when you're when they're drunk. But I'm telling you, there are people like that, and that's okay. You just don't want to deal with them in the, in that situation. So don't deal with them in that situation. Well, and your battles. If you want to avoid the confrontation and the conflict, I mean, you could play it off and say, "Look, hey, you know, we just don't have time to." G- to be out that late. Like, can we do dinner yeah. instead? You don't have to say it. Let's go grab dinner. Let's go get some coffee. Whatever. There's ways to do it. Because sometimes people just aren't comfortable with that as well. I get that. Not everybody is lovey-dovey and touchy-feely. I get that. But yeah. Thank you, Battles. Uh, swingers. What do you think of Swingers, Paul? That's just not my thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, look. I, my always my thing about relationships is real simple, Tyler. Okay. What happens between man and a woman, two men, two women, that's their own business. Right. What happens behind closed doors or what happens when they're together is between them. None of us know the whole story. So I just stay out of it. Yeah. And if someone's couple feels like they want to experiment with things, that's up to them. I don't really have hangups like that. You know, if I find out that two of my friends were into that, and gonna, that's not my thing, okay, that's your thing, cool. All right. You know, I think they'd be respectful of me. I'm going to be respectful of them. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, you know. The, the swinger thing, like, I, I always, you know, again, like, I don't judge. That's not my thing. But I always thought, how, how do you find out? Like, is it, aren't you, aren't you going to be embarrassed or potentially like scare people away when you ask and they say no <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm not, i'm kind of shy like that kind of thing anyway so i wouldn't be comfortable with that the other pieces i'm also be i'd be a very jealous person yeah so like i wouldn't want my wife to be with somebody else you know i just right i wouldn't feel good about that but like if again uh not judgmental if, if that's your route of action by all means do your thing absolutely but, if if I was, you know, somebody came to me and was asking to swing, be swingers, I probably would not want anything to do with that person. I'm like, okay, you've already thought of me that way. I, I'm good. And like, stay, keep your distance. You know. See, I'm a, I'm kind of a little bit of an opposite there. So I, I would, I would be a little flattered. I'll give you an example. Okay. Tyler, you're a young man. Have you ever been hit on by another man? Yes. Were you upset? No. I've been hit on four or five times in my life by other men. I've said the same thing the last couple of times it's happened. I'll just say, listen, I am flattered that you think that I'm attractive enough or interesting enough that it's not my thing. It may be yours. God bless you. Same thing. It's the same thing as a swinger. You you okay. weren't thinking me that way. You think I'm a, you think I'm attractive enough or you think you're into me in that way. God bless you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you would think of me that way. That's a good way. That's to a comp. I, I'm taking that yeah. as a compliment. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, uh, I'm not offended. I'm genuinely thankful that you find me in some way, shape, or form appealing. Yeah. Just not my thing. Well, okay. I'll, I'll make this real quick. Same then thing. we'll move on to Same the next um, My parents, I think this is like, before I was born, they, they tell this story all the time that they had this couple they were friends with 
And uh, it was like Christmas or something, and uh, they had bought them gifts. And, you know, nice, whatever. And this couple had picked them both out some underwear and as like a as like a signal of some sort it's like they're swingers uh-huh. you know and and like that's what i think of what my mind goes to immediately because my dad was weirded out I'm like here's a grown man that's thought to buy me underwear and wants to be swinging yeah. like okay i'm good you know i mean like yeah i i can see that point and i can concede that as well i i've never gotten to that point as well. <laughs> there's a difference thing flattery and being feeling really awkward right but that's I, so what my I mind goes to, you know. That yeah. might be awkward. Um, but again, I my experience has been if something like that came up, I probably would be flattered and I would say thank you, but not nah, just not my thing. Yeah. Next one, uh, this one's from Tim. Uh, subject line, what service do you love getting but don't want to talk to the person giving it? I was reading on the Reddit thread, Am I the Asshole? where someone was asking if they were an asshole for being a little rude to their massage therapist because they didn't want to chat during the massage, just relax and enjoy it. I say no sometimes. You have to set boundaries for people to let them know what to expect from their relationship. What say you? Bo, uh... Okay. How the line? Like, uh... I mean, you do some Uber stuff sometimes. Like, I mean... Every once in a while, you get the chatty Cathy's and, uh, you know, like, I feel like Sometimes if I'm getting get... my hair cut, I need, like, that's like a therapy session almost. You know, I need somebody yeah. to talk to. But sometimes, so what... if I'm in an Uber ride, most of the time, I don't want to talk. Like, it... you know, how, how do I go well, about it's, it? It's funny that she brought up the exact one that popped into my mind. When, you, when she was saying what services, the massage one was the first thing that came to mind. And I will say that I have had this thought too. I'm not someone who goes and gets frequent massages. I get probably one or two, maybe three a year. Okay, Deshaun. Um, but what's that? Okay, Deshaun. <laughs> yeah, but so, um, but like, and I know my massage therapist. She's a friend, so it's like, okay, I don't know if I should be chatty or if I should just enjoy the experience, you know, especially when it's a friend. Someone I have a you know some of a friendship with, so that's a, that's a unique one. You know, you mentioned that I do Uber drive every so often, and what I do in those cases as a driver is I I always kind of say the same thing: "Hey, how are you? you doing all right tonight?" And you can tell by how someone replies. You know, if they say, "Oh, I'm doing well," and, and you can tell by the pitch of a voice, they might be wanting to chat with you. If they go, eh, you know, it's all right," you, you just leave them alone. Um. I think it's harder being the person that's I when you're receiving the service, I think I'm self-conscious about it. So I do understand that. But then if I was giving the service, like if I was the massage therapist, I don't know where those boundaries would be. Like that's what it's all about. Is it's about placing boundaries. Um, that's something in my personal life I've been trying to do lately, actually, is work on setting boundaries. Work on that, my business life, my personal life. So I get that. That is, I don't think that's unique. And I don't know that I have a great answer, but I will say one thing I've learned fairly recently, last year or so, is that it is important to set boundaries for your own comfort. 
Yeah. And that there's a way to communicate. I think that how we communicate with one another, the world's changing and we're getting to where you know, we do more things like Twitter and social media and, you know, podcasts aren't interactive. You know, you and I are recording this now. Someone's going to listen to it tomorrow or the next or a year from now and hear these words. And they're not going to be able to say, well, Bo, you're wrong. They may think it and they may be right. There's no way for me to to have that conversation. The level of having to be able to have a conversation with somebody, it's a skill that's slowly going away. Yes. Like, I know you really well. We're good friends. Right. You are one of the unique people in your in your age group. And I'm quite a bit older. You're one of the unique people who can carry on a conversation with just about anybody yeah. in your age group. And I don't mean... I don't mean you can carry a conversation with anybody in your age group. You can carry a conversation with about anybody. Yeah. And it's very unique in your age level. You know, I think about my son. You know my son. He's a, yeah. he's a number of years younger than you, but he's not like He's a friendly man, and he's someone who people like, and he likes, and he's outgoing. But he's not real good at carrying on a conversation. Sure. And I think that's not unique to him or anybody else. I think that's societal. Yeah. But I think part of it is just trying to, you know, have comfortable barriers, you know, and, and then from there also have, you know, try to test yourself. Sure. To be more outgoing. Set those boundaries, but then not be afraid to, if you feel like you've crossed a barrier or a boundary, to say something to somebody. Or yeah. if you feel like someone's crossing your your boundary, tell them I don't feel comfortable with this hugging is one of those things right we all know somebody doesn't like to hug yes and I'm not always a hugger but I know my friends who are huggers and my friends who are not yeah so my friends who are not huggers I don't hug them my yeah. friends who are huggers I hug them every time yeah so it's, it's about some kind of normalization and I'm one of those people who can kind of go with the flow overall Along those lines, Bo, um, you know, technology has, you know, gotten in the way how we communicate, you know, and and I think online we communicate better because of technology, but in person we've gotten much worse, right? Um, I would say where, where technology could benefit in this case, like let's say, you know, you schedule a massage appointment online or your Uber ride, whatever it may be. What, what if you set the expectation ahead of time? What if you could put in your settings like, hey, you know, let's chat or here's the music I want played or, you know, just just go in where, uh, you know, you as the buyer are going in ahead of time and you're not catching anybody off guard and both of you are on the same page. Like, OK, we're going to chat or we're not or here's the type of music I like and want to listen to, like whatever it may be, like. I feel like you could set that all up ahead of time before you even go in and everyone's happy. Yeah. And, you know, people who are exceptional at their jobs, some of them do that. Some massage therapists will say, well, what kind of music do you want? Or what kind of sound background do you want? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I know there is part of one of the Uber services, and I don't have to do it a lot because it's one of the higher end services, where they tell you, they'll ask you if you're the passenger, do you want it to talk or not? Yeah. Then your driver, if your driver knows you don't want to talk, they're just quiet. Yeah. 
that's like the comfort level ones. I've only had it like once or twice when I've been a, a writer. Right. I've done like, I was in Chicago, I was in New York, and it was, I, I hit the thing and I was like, oh, and then the thing said, do you want to be quiet? Do you want the driver to be quiet or to be conversational? I just put the, I didn't care. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think, again, it goes back to communication. And I think that that's kind of the next level. That's when you know someone's really, really good at their job and they've had those, maybe they've had that issue before or they've come across it and they go, hey, let's fight this battle up front. Yeah. I think that's true to any profession. You know, I mean, I'm a financial advisor and when I'm talking to somebody, I will ask some questions and I'll give you an example. I ask this question of couples and I say it just like this. Are all of your children and your children both of you's children? And I'll say it that way and I'll say, and then I will say, please don't be offended, but there are a lot of blended families in the world. And I just want to be sure because I want to know your attitudes towards the children and there may be different relationships. Sure. And how we do planning may be inspired by that. So let's talk about it. Right. If you if I hadn't have seen that early in my career with something, then I wouldn't know to ask that question. Sure. So like things like that. You have to sometimes it comes with experience. Yeah. What I will say is that I'm in my late 40s now. Look, everything's about communication. It's about how you say it, what you say. You could call someone. Uh, do you know who the comedian oh uh what's his name? Joey um Oh, God damn it. He's on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast. Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz, yeah. Okay, Joey I love Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz, how much language can I use here? All the, <laughs> all the language you want. He loves to call people cocksuckers. Okay? Now, he does it kind of an affectionate, in an affectionate way. Right. He's not saying it to be belittling to somebody. that I right, listen to cocksuckers. You know, if you said that, and you didn't see it with a smile on your face and being goofy like Joey Diaz is doing, you wouldn't know that's just a, it's just him saying a word. Same as, all right, come on, fellas. You know, that kind of thing. But if you were to say, all right, listen up, you cocksuckers. That's insulting. Right. It's tone. It's how we say things. Delivery, it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. always the words. The words are important. The tone's even more important. And you don't really get that until you get older. You get experience. How many times have you text somebody and you were texting them something and they thought you were patronizing them? Right. I have a friend, God bless her. She thinks I'm patronizing her about half the time. And I'm never actually patronizing this person. But it's because she can't hear my tone. We've been friends for 20 years. She should know my fucking tone by now. But in the moment, she's thinking about everything else going on in the world and thinking, now he's going to be patronizing? So I get it. So I have to say, hey, I'm not being an asshole here. I'm trying to have a joke. Right. You know, it's about tone. Texting's made the world a worse place. Right. Like, this is one piece of advice I would give you. Okay. My wife and I have a rule on texting now. We don't text when we're mad. We don't mm. text when we're emotional. Mm. Texts between a husband and wife for us are simply things like, I'm leaving the office. Do you need me to stop at the store? Yeah. 
hey, have you made a decision about this? Hey, this happened today. But asking how they feel, uh-uh, we don't do that in text. Yeah. I don't try to do any arguing in text because you cannot tell the tone. Yeah. You don't know if someone's being a smart ass. You don't know. And, and sometimes you do because you know the person. Like Tom Bridges. We both know Tom Bridges. Yes. If you get a text from Tom, he's not insulting you. He's being a smart ass. Right. But if you're the spouse, how do you know that? Right. You know, that's the thing. It We live in a smaller world than we have ever lived in. I mean, the, the fact that we're recording this right now on Zoom and you are in Dallas, Texas, and I am in Kansas City, and we've been on here for a, a couple of hours now, we couldn't do this even 10 years ago this way. Right. You know, I have a client that lives half the year in China. And we get on Zoom and talk. Yeah. And that's amazing. I couldn't do that work for that person 10 years ago because there was no way for me to communicate with them. Right. Even phone calls were difficult. Now we can, you know, basically high five each other on Zoom. Right. It's just a different way. And because of that, the world's getting to where it's easier to communicate, easier to have access, but harder to actually communicate with people. Yeah. Because we don't get to touch each other. We don't get to put the best thing you can do in relationships is put your hand on your buddy's shoulder and say, this is my man right here. This is my boy. This is my, my dude. You know? You, you, you're, 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 your friend who happens to be a lady if you're a young man don't be afraid to give her a hug and tell her I miss you I don't get to see you much we talk on the phone or we text but we all text I mean like I think those those protective commercials where the guys you know, I don't know if you see those like Dr. Bell or something yeah. those are hilarious and they're hilarious he's talking about you know you don't have to leave your name and number in the, te- in the voicemail just in the text 90% of the time. Yeah. You know, we've gotten used to that as society. We're all closer to each other. Right. But we are losing that ability to really communicate genuinely. Yes. That's a, that's a deep and fascinating discussion. Uh, I didn't expect us to go there today, but we did. And uh, I think I learned a lot. And that would certainly, I think the listeners, uh, there's a lot to take away from that. We got to go. Uh, great way to end today, Bo. Appreciate you ha- being w- here with us a little extra time today. And, for having and, and uh, we'll uh, we'll hear from you again next week. Bo, uh, wh- wh- where can people find you from OAG to the podcast and all that? Uh, wh- where can people reach you? You can find me on my website. Uh, I got the uh, website for my business, O'Connor Advisory Group. We can help you with your investments, your insurance, your retirement planning oagks.com you get the contact button there it'll come directly to me um if you want to hear more about coach bow and the coach bow knows podcast here on studio Subbox, we do two episodes a week usually on tuesday and friday they get moved around a little bit sometimes we have the regular pod which is on either monday or tuesday and then the, we call it the point five pod where my co-host ellen winginter comes in and we get in everything from sports to politics to just life in general so it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun on the podcast. Definitely check it out. We appreciate everybody who wants to listen in. Yes, uh, certainly. So as always, subscribe to the show. Uh, new episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. 
wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, part of the Studio Soapbox Network. This show, the Big 12 Breakdown, Coach Bo's show, the Bevo Boys, uh, as well as Luke Slayball. Uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Check out all our shows. And uh, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Tyler Jones Live. Uh, Studio Soapbox on Twitter and Facebook, Jones underscore report on Instagram. You can find us there. For Coach Bo, Will Scott, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.